need to have a gold chain right now. Oh, like yeah. wearing one. <laughs> you just look like you're from Scarface. Is what you, you look like a very pale man in the movie Scarface. I went to Miami. I love this fucking shirt. This is my Magfest shirt. Yeah. This my is the second time you've worn it on a podcast. It. Second time is at least a third. <laughs> at least. Motherfuckers yeah, for not people that are watching this podcast. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do things a little bit different this week. Um, mm-hmm. I've had the week from hell. I don't know what Corey's been doing. I haven't been Monster able to Hunter. do anything. I haven't been able to fucking play anything, do the news, do the docket. So today we're going to do our spoiler cast of the Mandalorian two months late. You thought we fucking forgot <laughs> because we did. <laughs> <laughs> something always like fucking popped up and it was some stupid shit. Well, we're like, we're going to do it on this podcast. And then we look and we're like, oh, this podcast is two and a half hours long already. Yep. So let's not do it this week because I'm tired of talking. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so so here's right. how this is going to go. And you, you, you guys at home, you can read along because I'm going to read Wikipedia and then we're going to give our <laughs> thoughts. That, that's now, how this is happening. Disclaimer, we have watched it. Oh, 100%. I've watched this entire but series. But it's been, it's been a while for me. I don't know how long it's been for you. It's been about a month. But, okay, so shit gets lost in translation if you don't watch it the day before. Correct. Especially with us, because mm-hmm. you have a TBI and I'm just... <laughs> so- <laughs> I don't know if I could say that on a podcast. Don't worry, I'm going to bleep it out. I did it last week. It's fine. I did it when I said it. Put a dolphin sound in there. I'll I'll see if I can find a dolphin sound. Or just a big old (laughs) arooga. But anyway. So what is The Mandalorian? Okay, so The Mandalorian. Living underneath a rock. uh, The Mandalorian uh, takes place five years after the fall of the Imperial Empire, after episode six. When the uh, the rebels destroy the second Death Star, Darth Vader throws the the Emperor down a shaft, which now doesn't matter because Episode Nine. Yeah, but I was gonna say it's another spoilers. Don't but... get me into that. Um, Not again. Fucking anyway. Restart that one second. I do want to throw in. Some... We will be answering your questions this week at the end. Okay. Because we had questions that we were supposed to answer. But we didn't put the announcement out today, so we have no new questions for this week. Which is great because this is a fuck shit podcast and I don't you know, we weren't prepared. Nothing's let's do prepared. It. Let's let's do this now. So going back, what is the Mandalorian? The Mandalorian is the story of a nameless Mandalorian who is a bounty hunter trying to get this bread takes place five years after the fall of the Empire. A Mandalorian bounty hunter collects a bounty after a scuffle exchange in a bar and returns to a guild hall in his ship. Wow, that is poorly written. Uh, Yes, but I do remember that first episode very vividly. Yeah, I'm just going to go episode by episode. Uh, His ship is the Razor's Crest. He meets with his guild leader, Grief Karga, who mostly has low-paying bounties, which will not cover traveling expenses. Looking to get a bigger bounty, the Mandalorian accepts a mysterious commission for which Karga can only provide an address to meet the client, who wants the details on the job to be private. 
The client, who uses Imperial Stormtroopers as bodyguards, gives the Mandalorian a vague target to bring back alive. The only information he's allowed to be given is that the target is 50 years old and its last known location. In exchange, the client promises to reward the bounty hunter with a crateful of Beskar, a rare metal used by the Mandalorians to forge impenetrable armor. Receiving a single bar of Beskar as a down payment, the Mandalorian meets with the armorer at an enclave housing fellow Mandalorians. The armorer melts the metal given to the Mandalorian into a new pauldron, says that the metal was gathered during the Great Purge and the excess will sponsor other foundlings like the Mandalorian once was. The Mandalorian travels to the desert planet of Arvala 7 and meets a native named Kui. Kuil. K-U-I-I-L. Yes. Yes. Who wants to help him so that he can be rid of the criminals and mercenaries who now inhabit the area. Kuil teaches the Mandalorian to ride a blurg, as they are no land, there are no land speed vehicles to traverse the area, and sends him to where the bounty is located. Upon reaching the hideout, the Mandalorian is forced to team up with a bounty droid, IG-11, and they manage to clear the entire facility of its Nikto guards and discover that the bounty is a green, big-eared infant creature. IG-11 plans to kill it, but the Mandalorian blasts the droid to protect the baby and his bounty. That first episode's real strong as a first episode because let's let's back up to uh, the very beginning when he enters the bar or the mm-hmm. cantina. He enters that cantina that he's looking for the the one guy, and uh, he's he's fighting a bunch of ruffians. And there was one scene that we were like, oh. That could have made this like not PG if they would have actually showed it. Yeah, there's a guy that he kicks into the door, which the door is like a, it's a, it's a metal butthole is what it is. That's how it shuts and closes. That's mm-hmm. just and it could just cuts the dude in half. Granted, we don't see it. I think that the way that the scene plays out, um, I'm not a big fan of that scene because I don't like the human speaking hutties, which is the mm. the language of the huts. Uh, it, it's, it sounds a little bit awkward and I'm just like, uh, that doesn't sound natural, but once the yeah. fighting starts, that's, that's when I'm just like, okay, that shit's fucking dope. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty and fucking cool. The first episode is just like, it is, it's a wet dream for Star Wars fans, like OG Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Cause you're like, oh my God, there's the Carbonite. Oh my God, there's the Stormtrooper. Oh my God, it's IG-88, but it's IG-11. Like... <laughs> It's I don't know the the first episode is real good. It's, it's really strong. Uh, tell me who was the guy that was in the the snow speeder when he was heading back oh, the, to the razor uh, point? That's Brian Posehn. Okay, there you go. He's been in a a lot of like in a few things, a few like nerdy geeky yeah, things, one offs on things. Yeah, it that's that's pretty dope. Sad yeah, that he he's got a huge metalhead and a huge nerd. Sad that he got killed by that giant kraken. Yeah, that's the thing too. It established that the Mando has a problem with droids. He has something going on with droids, which you find out later. But mm. that's the whole reason that Brian Posehn's character is even there. And then you have Grief Carga, who is played by Carl Weathers, and that's all I got on that one. So he kind of seems like an asshole in the beginning, but he turns out he's an asshole later throughout the, the entire road. time. I mean, yeah, like it, this isn't like happy go lucky. We're all friends now. It's like. Hey, we're working together now because it's beneficial to both of us. Mm-hmm. But if something becomes more beneficial to where I have to backstab you, that's 100% what's going to happen. <laughs> that's what this whole world is, and it's great. 
So when I heard Carl Weathers, I was not thinking uh, Apollo Creed. I was thinking you were thinking uh, of Lavar Burton from Reading Rainbow. No, not not him. Uh, okay. For some reason, I was thinking of like the the short the short dude from like the old seventies uh, sitcom. Danny DeVito. No, no not. <laughs> All you gave me was short guy from a sh- sitcom, uh, and Danny DeVito was in Taxi. Seventies sitcom short black man gary oldman not gary oldman gary coleman what you talking different about different strokes Lewis? yes okay i got I it i thought that was him those are totally wrong <laughs> that was very also wrong. you're racist that's not racist <laughs> that's not you're racist. racist and you don't like short people i didn't i didn't say anything about not liking short people but regardless whatever so carl weathers Yes. That is his name. <laughs> Don't edit this out. <laughs> I, might, I want all of this in. I might, I might I'll listen the, to the podcast I'll, this I'll one. I'll keep the, the pause a little bit shorter. The pause is great. I was that's, just like... That's it. Anyway, that we did the rundown of the first episode. Like It shows how cold-hearted... Cause like and for a while, like this is another thing where IG Eleven they team up, like him and the Mando team up because they have to team up to take out the Raiders. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you're just like... All right, that's the goal is to get rid of this target or bring or the goal was to bring the target in, right? But so, for some reason IG88 was supposed to, it was going to kill it. No, right. So they're on two separate missions or whatever. Uh, I don't okay. believe the IG88 was sent by the client, which I want to touch back onto the client when the Mandalorian meets the client and when you first see like the stormtroopers like you could tell those motherfuckers have been like scraping by for the last 5 they years. They are weathered. They are rough. <laughs> they are twitchy. That one dude in the corner has PTSD. He's constantly like raising up his blaster. I mean, they've been through a lot of shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so but when he meets the client, uh, client is uh, Werner Herzog. I think that he's he was one of the best fucking parts of the, not only this episode but the entire fucking series. You think he's like the shit until the last episode? <laughs> well, yeah. It, that like when once the veil was uncovered to see who is really in charge. It was kind of just like, oh, that was a little bit anticlimactic the way that he goes out. But like that entire time in the beginning, I I was loving every single part of like who the client was because yeah. he really and gave off this sinister vibe. He was very articulate with the way he said things mm-hmm. and he was very precise and all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but also it was a really strong episode. It, like it got me right into it. The fact that he like showed up with fucking Beskar. I think is a really good plot device because they start talking about a little bit of the great purge. A great purge takes place um, before like a, a while before the, the empire falls. I want to say it's even before Luke starts his journey. Um, it, it, it was just an event where the Mandalorians are dur- It was during a training event at one of the tribes and these imperial I, I don't know if they're necessarily inquisitors but these imperial forces just came in and just wiped everyone off the face well yeah so that's the thing too because the 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 droids that were in the flashback mm-hmm. the they're the they're, i just i want to call them killbots i know no, that's no, not they're the they're super battle droids the super ba- yeah super battle droids that's all before the clone wars that's 
that's during the Clone Wars. I want to say that's during the tail end of the Clone Wars. Well, it's before Order 66, because once Order 66 happens, then like all the droids get replaced with stormtroopers. Yeah. They're, so this has to take place somewhere before or during the prequels as well. I'm gonna I think that we're talking about two different things because during that time he yes, he was and we're kind of like jumping ahead here. When when the Mandalorian was atta- when his family was attacked by the droids, that was definitely during the Clone Wars. However, the Great Purge took place after the Clone Wars, which I think Okay. I think that you said that because during the Clone Wars, they were still fighting against the Separatists and it was the Separatists that were moving in, trying to take over that town or that village or whatever. And that's when the Mandalorian right. swooped in, murked everybody, and then took all the kids out. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We're good now. We're good now. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to touch on, like that last battle scene, arguably – like save like one or two the best fight scene in the entire series like that first one yeah i also just realized too it it starts one of the biggest scenes of the series starts with something to do with a turret and then it also ends with something to do with a turret (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty fucking cool um ig11 i thought that in the very beginning i was like don't trust that motherfucker don't don't trust that motherfucker I mean, he's a he's a legit kill bot. Yeah, he'll, he'll fucking murder you. Um, but after like everyone dies and they they do that cool like spinny move with the turret, they walk in, they blow the door open, and they find Baby Yoda, which yep, they still haven't the figured first... out uh, a name for the fucking bitch. But they find Baby Yoda. IG Eleven is just like I have to terminate it, and everyone's just like, "What? No!" It's like, "No, no, no! I have to terminate it." So you hear a the gunfire go off, the blaster fire go off and something dropped to the floor. And then you see IG 11 with his like head blown off, just dropping mm-hmm. down. And then at the very end, you see the Mandalorian do that ET moment where he reaches yeah. out his hand and the baby reaches out and cut episode one. Um, well, it just sets up to show how badass the Mandalorian still is. You know, they say you say that, and I do agree with you, but Never during the entire series, except maybe like that, the very beginning of that first episode, did I think that the Mandalorian was invincible. There is a level of... This guy could die at any moment. <laughs> I guess, I don't want to say frailty, but he he definitely Mortality. felt like that he was mortal. Like, yeah. in almost all the episodes, you were just sitting at the edge of your seat was like, yo, this dude's getting fucked up. Like on Dude, a in episode basis. two, oh, in episode yeah. two, you're like, oh, he's gonna fucking die. Oh yeah, I didn't think that in episode two, I actually didn't think it was that bad. I think that there are other episodes where you're just sitting there like, yo, this dude's getting fucked up. I mean, sh- the last episode for one, you're just like, mm-hmm. he is getting, he's taken, he's blown up how many times? <laughs> like, <laughs> he just was standing next to a grenade. He mm-hmm. like got hit by this, got hit by that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, but yeah, episode two or chapter two, the child, uh, plot line is while returning to his ship on foot with the child in tow, the Mandalorian is ambushed by a trio of Trandoshan warriors. He disintegrates one attempting to rush and kill the child, revealing a tracking fob upon returning to his ship. He finds that a team of Jawas scavenged it for parts. 
After a short battle, they retreat to their sand crawler and stun the Mandalorian unconscious with ion blasts. He returns to his ship, finding it stripped bare and all of its weaponry stolen. With the assistance of Kui, he begrudgingly bargains with the Jawas to return the ship parts uh, in return of retrieving the egg. The Mandalorian locates a den with a mudhorn, a large horned beast inside, throwing and battering him around out in the open. With his weapons failing and his armor heavily damaged, the beast charges to finish him, but the child uses the force to lift the beast, allowing the Mandalorian to stab and kill it. He returns with the egg, and the Jawas cut it open and eat the contents. <laughs> he and Kui repair the ship, Kuil, uh, repair the ship, and after which Kuil turns down the Mandalorian's offer of reward and crewing his ship. After parting his friends, the Mandalorian takes this child uh, to space, and the child wakes up for the first time after exhausting itself using the Force. So, what'd you think? The, mystic, the mystical samurais finally come into play. Uh, you thought they weren't going to be in here. I, I'm not going to just sit there and say mystical samurais. There are no Jedi so far. Um, I mean, I knew that it was eventually going to happen. Lore-wise... The Yoda, for lack of a better species term. The Yoda race. The Yoda race yeah. are extremely force sensitive, specifically with the light side of the force. Um, so I, it, it was it was just bound to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what the second... The, I mean, the key points from this are you see that the child uses the force mm. and also the mud horn is iconic because it becomes the Mandalorian symbol later down the road yes i think they call it's his it, sigil yeah there you go. i think they call it his sigil um yeah and it's it's referenced uh, a few times because uh when he meets back with the armor which i think it's you know we're pushing into the next episode uh he tells the armor he's like you know i had a target where i was i had an enemy that i was fighting but he did not know that he was my enemy and he saved my life when you know, they were talking about the Mudhorn, but the enemy that he was really referring to was the child. At which point, mm. um, with episode two, it's pretty straightforward. I like the the chase scene, the climb scene, the little bit of Uncharted that was going on with the Mandalorian yeah. climbing up the sand crawler. Um, it was pretty <laughs> funny. Getting, like rocks thrown at him. They're throwing <laughs> rocks at him. And then finally, like, once he reaches the top, they fucking electrocute that motherfucker. And he yeah, they EMP the drops. shit out of him. He just fucking yeah. drops. Um, the, the stupid shit with the egg. Uh, you're like, what is this egg? You're like, oh no, they're just hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a delicacy. It's like ice cream or something. But to be quite honest, I was a little bit underwhelmed with this episode. It was okay. It was it was entertaining, but I didn't think it was like. I think it's just a filler episode. Yeah, it wasn't anything. It's special. coming off the hype of the first episode, so it's not going to be. There's not many things where you're like, the episode one's really good, but episode two was even better. That's not the case. Not the with case this in one. this one. However, no. with episode three, uh, the sin three's pretty good. That one is pretty good. Uh, in episode three, the Mandalorian delivers a child to the client. He asks about the plans for the child, but no answer is given. When the Mandalorian returns to the secret Mandalorian enclave where he gets his damaged armor replaced by the armorer who forges him a full curless from some of the Beskar reward. Another Mandalorian berates him for working with the former agents of the Empire who are responsible for their predicament. The armorer diffuses the situation by reminding them that the way of the Mandalore. Returning to the guild, the Mandalorian learns from Grief Karga that everyone in the guild had a tracking fob for the child. Grief implores him to take some time to rest, but the Mandalorian insists on taking another job. 
He asked Grief if he has any idea what the client had planned for the child, but Grief says that he did not ask because that would be against the guild code, telling him that he should forget about it. Despite accepting new assignments and starting to uh, and starting hit to prepare his ship to depart, uh, the Mandalorian has a change of heart in the very last moment, decides to turn back and infiltrate the client's base of operations. Killing many Imperial stormtroopers, he rescues the child from a laboratory. On the way back to his ship, the Mandalorian is ambushed by other bounty hunters and Grief Karga, who demanded he hand over the child. After he refuses, a firefight breaks out, leaving the Mandalorian heavily outnumbered and cornered, but the warriors from the Mandalorian Enclave unexpectedly arrive, attacking the bounty hunters and giving the Mandalorian cover to escape. Ambushing the Mandalorian on his ship, Grief gives him one last chance to surrender, but Mando outsmarts him and shoots him, ejecting him from the spacecraft. The child's hand appear, reaching up to the console from below. The Mandalorian unscrews the control knob that he had berated the child for playing with at the beginning of the episode and drops it into his hand. This episode was real good. The- also, before we get into it, can we just say that the armorer is the best fucking character? I fucking love the armorer throughout this entire series. She had like this aura of mystery, and you knew that she was a badass bitch. And they waited until the very end to prove that point. Yeah. Also, she has Viking like fucking fur cape on her. I'm like, yeah, she's fucking awesome. She's <laughs> got the best design out of anybody in the series. Like, I love the Mandalorian's suit suit of armor, his outfit. Fantastic. But hands down, the best fucking character design has to go to the armor. She's fucking yeah. badass. I mean, when we met, went to MAGFest, we saw tons of, like, different... It's not just the Mandalorian or Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. They were just Mandalorians with their own spin on things. And that... That was the one thing I was like, dude, we can't really cosplay many things, but we could probably cosplay we some can cool do ass that. Mandalorian We can do like shit. some fat Viking Mandalorian type shit. That would be... I didn't tell you that to side... Tr- I'm sorry, but there is a Viking armor in Monster Hunter. I didn't tell you about that. I'll show it to you later. And it's actually super early in the Iceborne and easy to make too. Okay. I want but, it. Yeah. Like we saw... Like this episode was great. Like because what it... it the the show does a really good job of being like here's a bunch of shit that happened mm-hmm. and then this is kind of our it's kind of like how Game of Thrones did it Game of Thrones had a lot of build up and then they'd have like the pinnacle like episode nine of every season was like boom this is where shit's gonna happen you know battle of the bastards the uh, mountain versus the viper viper mountain versus the viper and a bunch of other things and then you have a cool down episode and I feel like the Mandalorian did a little bit of this as well mm-hmm. the they don't really go into it, but there's one thing that I really want to uh, point on because, it, you know, they just say, oh, he comes in and beats the shit out of the, the stormtroopers and some shit like that. Like after he has a conversation with the client, um, he actually has an assistant that, you know, is trying to take care of the child and trying to study the child. Meanwhile, the client is just like, I, I don't care. Extra- extract the force out of the kid. I, I don't give a shit how you do it. Um, but when the Fuck Mandalorian has that change of heart and goes back there's one piece of equipment that he's given and they're called i think they're called whistling birds oh those are fucking those things were cool as shit so it's like this thing that goes on their arm and they're like little mini rockets and he just like flicks his wrist and they all go homing rockets yeah they're it's ah it's so fucking dope but they're rare because they're made of they're made of the best the best car yeah yeah that's why it's important so it's like they're like super fast, like whistling darts. And like that scene was fucking it's, dope. 
Did you ever watch Guardians of the Galaxy? I have not. It's one of the characters has uh, the guy that plays. I can't think of his name. It's the blue guy mm-hmm. that uh, Merle from Walking Dead plays him. Okay, I know who you're talking uh, about. He has he has a weapon where it's an arrow that he whistles and it just attacks shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really cool. Okay, uh, but that's what I re- that's what it reminded me of when I saw it. But this episode was really because it's very. This is uh, so I don't know if you ever watched like the Daredevil series, but Daredevil excelled whenever it was fight scenes like in a closed space, mm-hmm. and that's what I felt like this episode was. A lot of it was fighting in closed space until the end, where it's like an open fire fight in the streets of the camp and everything. Yeah, I gotta give it to the the the, the director getting all the the camera work in. That that almost felt like a fucking video game when he was going yeah. down each the of the corridors was and just Deborah Ch- fucking Deborah Chow on this fucking episode. shit up. Like you knew that the Mandalorian was a badass when from episode one when he took out everybody at that fob, but in this episode yeah. it, it felt like a fucking spy movie where he was just going yeah. in quickly dispatching motherfuckers left and right, and then that ending, catching them on fire. Oh yeah, his flamethrower, yo. So fucking dope. <laughs> so fucking dope. Like, I, I want to say something at the at the end. I'm a little bit disappointed of it, but like, just the the outfit that the Mandalorian has, like his his equipment set, just it's fucking like spy porn. Like, I want it all. It's so fucking cool. Well, this is the at the end of this episode too. You get why, like, he's because a lot of the Mandalorians have jetpacks, but he does not. Yes. And he, even at the end, he acknowledged he's he says he sees one. He's like, man, I got to get me one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Which going fast forwarding to the end, like he's on his way back to the ship. And that's when he gets like completely surrounded. And the Mandalorian does a good job of fighting back just a little bit. And at first you think, oh, oh, this man is real. He's going to fucking take out all these motherfuckers. And then that that moment of mortality comes in and like the, they start outnumbering him they start start yeah. outmaneuvering him he has to get into a, a hiding position like his fighting hole yeah. is like this this beat up speeder and you because he's not a jedi no he can't just like magically do shit no he's he's he would be equivalent to like a special forces shock trooper like yeah that's that's the best that he's got but at the very end all these fucking mandalorians come in out of fucking nowhere and i'm telling you dude that was the most hype moment that I fucking I didn't saw. expect it. Like when I, I saw that shit, it. I'm like, oh, 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 what's <laughs> happening? Oh, you're all dead. That dude with the big ass uh, Gatling gun. Oh, yeah. oh man, I want that. <laughs> I got feelings of uh, Halo Reach whenever I saw the specialized Mandalorian. Yes, because that that that's how in Halo Reach there was special specialized Spartan warriors. Yes, definitely. Like you had your sniper. You had your heavy guy. You had your uh, Intel chick who gets fucking murked right away. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely agree with you 100% on that. I think that's the reason why I like uh, Halo Reach so much. Uh, like, I like Halo, but Reach was like... Individuality. Th- like it, th- They're essentially the Power Rangers of the Halo series. Yeah. The one dude that has, like, he's a Spartan warrior or a Spartan whatever, but he has, like just a skull on his helmet or something mm-hmm. like that. And think, he's like, think, always carries a shotgun everywhere. Oh, uh, is that the one I'm thinking of? Was that the sniper? He's the one that at the end, he's in the turret on the last mission. And a uh, arbiter comes up and stabs him in the chest with a beam sword. And he goes, fuck that. and just starts punching the arbiter <laughs> in the face. <laughs> I forgot all about that. I need to replay that game 
for the Halo reason. Reach is dope as shit. Yeah. Like that story mode, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, no, no doubt. But on on the Mandalorian, that last fight scene where they all just come in and he was just like, yo, get out of here. And I'm just like, but what about you guys? And it's like, no, we'll handle our own. This is the way. And I'm like, okay, fine. This is yeah. the way. And just bounces the fuck out of there. Uh, I'm really upset that that is, real, that is essentially the last time that we see the Enclave. I was really yeah. hoping uh, that they would show up later to like see their force in numbers. Um, that's really my only complaint about that. But as far as this episode is concerned, it's one of my favorites. Top three, hands down. We also have to talk about the amazing, amazing matte paintings that are showed off at the end of every oh, episode. Yeah. Yeah. That portray the events that happened in the episode. Like there are many in those, especially in this episode, where I was like, I would buy that art and put it up in my house. Mm-hmm. Coming from the guy that fucking hates Star Wars, I would put that up in my house because it looks beautiful. Yeah, no. One hundred percent absolutely. But you said something about a shock trooper, right? Doesn't that lead us into our next episode? That does lead us into the next episode. So chapter four, Sanctuary, the Mandalorian and the, the child uh, travel to Sorgon, a sparsely populated forest planet. A village of farmers are pillaged by raiders. The Mandalorian soon lands on Sorgon, looking to hide from the guild with the child. In a local restaurant, they come across a suspicious mercenary, who is played by Gina Carana. The mercenary identifies herself as Cara Dune, a former rebel shock trooper who had left her position and is in hiding on the planet, which she asked the Mandalorian to leave. Back at the Razor Crest, the Mandalorian is approached by two villagers, hoping to hire him to drive off the raiders. He accepts in return for lodging in the isolated village and uses their payment to to hire Dune for extra help. Once at the village, a widowed mother named Omera, who is played by Julia Jones, takes them in and offers them food. Dune and the Mandalorian find a set of tracks in the mud outside the village and identify that the raiders have an Imperial ATST, a small armored walker with heavy guns. Dune insists that the villagers leave and make their home elsewhere, but they refuse and decide to fight. The Mandalorian and Dune show the, show the farmers how to defend themselves and then set up traps in the krill ponds for the ATST. The Mandalorian and Dune infiltrate the raiders' camp to provoke them into attacking. The ATST then clashes them back to the village but stops short of the krill ponds. The Clatoonian raiders then attack the villagers while the ATST shoots the village with artillery fire. Dune then gets beneath the ATST, shooting into one of the viewports. The ATST takes the bait and steps into the pond, sinks, and then falls over. The Mandalorian then throws a thermal detonator into the walker, blowing it up, and the raiders flee back into the forest. With peace having been returned, the child plays happily with the other children. The Mandalorian tells Dune and Amara that he plans on leaving the child there as he feels it would lead to a better life for him. However, a a Kubazi bounty hunter from the guild takes aim at the child from the trees. Before he can fire, Dune shoots him in the head from behind. The Mandalorian realizes that the child has to stay under his protection, and he bids farewell to Amara and Dune and leaves the village. So, uh, Cara Dune is pretty hot. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not attracted to many white women. I don't even, I don't think she's white, dude. Like she, she looked white. Am I wrong? So Gina Carano. So for people that don't know, the first time I ever saw Gina Carano. Oh yeah, she was born in Dallas. So I mean, she she looks that, pretty pale, but oh wow, she's an MMA standards. fighter. Yeah, dude. Oh, she's eight and one. Yeah, dude. She knows Muay Thai and Gai, uh, Gaido Jutsu. 
calm your pants. <laughs> oh man, that's dope as shit. You know she was in the Deadpool movie, right? No. Yeah, she was in the Deadpool movie. She's the one that fought Colossus. Oh, that's fucking dope. Yeah, she's fucking awesome. Okay. She's really cool. I really like her, and she's very attractive. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Tiff loves her. She was just like, yo, that's my bitch. I need to take Perfect. her Perfect, so you're good with so, it. So, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's, it's completely fine. All that is fine. Yeah, I like her backstory, too, mm-hmm. how she's a shop trooper so, to kind of like, like get for the rebels. Um, so she she's considered to have gone AWOL. She, I don't remember if she said that she was part of the Imperial, um, like the Imperial Army, but she was tortured. And because of that, she was just like, I just need my entire life's work is to kill those fucking imps. So she worked as a shock trooper for the rebel army, um, just taking them out. I think they named like a few planets that I caught on to. Uh, there were some yeah. major battles there, so I'm just like, oh, cool, that's that's some dope-ass fan service. Um, and yeah. then she was like, once that stupid fucking Jedi blew up the Death Star and collapsed the the, <laughs> the Empire, I was out of a job, and I'm not just going to sit around and do nothing. <laughs> like, the way that they explain like, it in Wikipedia really downplays, like, the level of attitude that this like, baller She's not happy has. that they won the war. Yeah, no, she <laughs> wanted the war to, like, perpetually continue just enough that the Empire continually, like, comes to fight back just so she can fucking kill them. Yeah, I mean, she had a jo- she had job security, and she got to do something she loved. Exactly. So, <laughs> so super respects to Kara Dune. Uh, outside of Kara, I think that this episode sucks. I am not a fan. It's a Firefly episode, like Scotty said. Okay. Like, it's the typical, like, we found an a, a encampment that... It's like, it's the Western episode. Like, you've seen this formula in Westerns all the time, where they come up to a... We're, not we, good we West, not good Westerns. Like, that stupid shit, like Gunsmoke. Like, family-based Westerns. Like, all, a bunch of them. Like, they're, they're, they've been done in, like, cartoon, like, a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. Like, it's okay. I, I like how they take the ATST. Who, what we're when we're like, I'm like, oh, it's an ATST. Who fucking cares about an ATST? Like, those can be blown up, no problem. Because everyone, I think of, when I think of the walkers, I think I'm like, oh, the at-ats are the bad ones. Like, the at-ats are the ones that will just fuck up everybody. But then the ATST, I'm like, though. But I'm also grew up on Star Wars where it's all Jedi shit. Okay. Where they can yeah. just be like, whatever. It's we force pushed it away. Yeah. But you got normal people trying to take down this big ass, like, it has. Gl- I guess they put like LED light strips in the eyes to have like red, like to have it glow red eyes. Either shit. that or the dumbass was like starting a fire in the background and it just because that's not <laughs> natural. That's not like regular ass like lights that you flick a switch and it comes on nah no. somebody was burning some shit in the background because it was constantly like flickering and it gave it that dem- demonic look where it's just yeah. like oh it's 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 not just here it's back from the dead because it's all <laughs> fucked up too and you you were just like oh wow they salvaged that shit yeah uh but no i mean it's okay it's a, another i call a filler episode like it's it's fi- not so much filler i would say it's setting up to be like the Mando has to be with the child at all times. Even if the child is always going to be in danger, it's going to be in more danger if he's not with the child. I think that the, the also the purpose of the episode was to kind of flesh out the Mandalorian as a character, but they're kind of like piecemealing it to you. So like one of the yeah. major plot points is that one uh, fucking Omera wanted that dick. 
100%. Hardcore. Hardcore. She was like, my daughter loves you. I'm not married. Your girl Kara is totally telling you to bag me. You should do this. And he's just like, nah, son, this ain't the way. <laughs> What's important is we we don't see him, but he does take his helmet off in this episode. Yes. And like that was one of the big things that uh, – he was touching on because he was just like i cannot take off my helmet no you don't understand i don't take off my helmet for anyone i'll do it alone but i'm I'm not i don't do it for the child i don't do it for you no living creature can fucking see my face ever again period yeah Uh, which comes into play later so right Yeah, yeah yeah um but no it was it's a fine episode it's not it's, one of the strongest yeah, it's not a bad i would i would say that this is probably the weakest episode of the entire series um it just my favorite episode i think is the next episode the next episode okay okay i think going, Let me going see. into if that this is the- so um in chapter five the gunslinger uh the mandalorian defeats a pursuing bounty hunter in a dog fight but the razor's crest is damaged and he lands uh at a repair facility read by peli motto who is amy sidaris on moist Eisley on tattooing uh while seeking work for to pay for the repairs at the local cantina, he meets fellow bounty hunter Toro Calican, who is played by Jake Cannavale, a young bounty hunter looking to join the guild by capturing Fennec Shand, who is played by Ming-Na Wei, uh, a well-trained mercenary. Despite having misgivings, the Mandalorian agrees to help him with the bounty while Cacalan can take all the credit for the capture. Pele, uh, while waiting for the repairs, has come across the child and begins to take care of it while working on the ship, growing slightly attached to it. The Mandalorian and Calican travel to the Dune Sea on speeder bikes, looking for Shand. They come up upon a group of Tusken Raiders. The Mandalorian barters with them for safe passage. They eventually come across a dewback with a dead bounty hunter attached to it, which turns out to be bait laid out by Shand to attract anyone looking for her. The two manage to avoid her attacks and take her into custody, but she manages to destroy one of the speeder bikes in the fight. The Mandalorian gets to, uh, goes to get the dewback to replace the destroyed speeder while Calican watches Shand. She tells him that the Mandalorian is a traitor of, to the guild and that the bounty on the Mandalorian and the child are worth a great deal of money, uh, more than what her bounty is worth. Calican is unconcerned with the bounty, but Shan points out that taking out the Mandalorian would make him a legend. She offers to help Calican capture the Mandalorian if he sets her free. However, Calican shoots her, assuming that she would betray him, and heads to the repair facility on speeder bike, where he captures Moto and the child. Uh, the Mandalorian arrives using a flash grenade to disorient Calican and kills him. The Mandalorian then gives Calican's money to Moto to pay for the repairs on the ship, and then he leaves Tatooine. Out in the desert, a mysterious figure is a scene approach, uh, seen approaching Shan's body. So while you were reading that, I went down a small little Wikipedia hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ming-Na Wen, I probably said it wrong, but she plays Chun-Li in the 1994 Street Fighter live-action movie. <laughs> I clicked on her name, and I was like, huh, she's been in a bunch of stuff. She's been in a bunch of, like, uh, Disney stuff. She was in Mulan, Mulan 2. She was in Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, she was in Ralph Breaks the Internet, and then I saw... Who did she play in Mulan? Is, is she Mulan? Uh, let's see. Damn, she's 56 years old. She don't look it. Nah. Yeah, she plays Mulan. And her si- but she, she her singing voice is by Leah Salonga. Okay. But she, she plays Mulan, yeah. Okay. I've seen her before. I've seen her in things. This is So that's why I was I like, I think oh. this is the first time that I've seen her. She's she plays a really great villain in this. 
I think that she does. She plays the uh, the rogue very very strong. She's got the uh, the acrobatic skills for it too. Like the, the yeah. assassin. This also, type. I was wrong. This is not my favorite episode. I didn't think the it was. I, the next I remember, episode's my favorite. I remember you saying what your favorite episode of, of this was. Uh, one, the the dog fight. I appreciate the dog fight quite a bit because um, the Razor Crest is not a nimble fighter. It is not no. by any means. It's, it's not like the Slave One. It's kind of like, like a freighter, so it goes kind of slow. <laughs> It kind of clunks yeah. when it turns, and he's just like, "God damn it!" Trying to like bang it in order to get it to work, but you could just tell the Mandalorian has superior uh, starfighter skills. Yeah, and I forget. And wasn't the guy chasing him in an X-wing? No, 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 no. he's not in an X-wing. I don't, I don't know Are what he's sure? in, but he's not in like any of the iconic. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense because in the, the X-wings are still around. Yeah, um, my favorite thing is. Uh, the line that he shoots out to the Mandalorian. He's just like, I could either take you in hot or I could take you in cold. And he's just like, nah, bitch. Hits the brakes, gets behind that motherfucker. Yeah. He's like, that's my line. He just fucking killed yeah. him. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's, fucking, that's fucking tight. I like that. Uh, besides that, the rest of the episode's fine. Like, again, I guess this just sets up that... This is like... I, I just feel like this is like a filler episode again. So, if it's a filler episode, I like it a lot more. I think that what this is really showing is that the Mandalorian is willing to take on somebody else and kind of teach him how to do shit. I can't, I kind of yeah. feel like that kind of like blends or bleeds into like what the Mandalorian code is because they'll, they, you know, they touch on it in the past where um, he was taken in, brought up as one of their own, raised, trained to kill. Uh, and he's kind of doing the same thing in good faith with this kid. Yeah, yeah, he's getting compensated out of it. But at the very least, he's willing to teach him the tools of the trade. He's he's not like some other douchebag where it's just like, hey, hold my gun. All right, I take this person in. Oh, by the way, bang, shoot you in the head. Like, it's not like the synopsis yeah. of Solo, a Star Wars movie. You know what I mean? You're right, yeah. So uh, what's good? For people too, a lot of people get confused because they're like, "Oh, is he a Mandalorian?" A Mandalorian's not a race. That was something that we could go into at the end, but you are right; it's not. It's not a race. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, it's it's a way of life. Like that's what it is. It. I think it might have been a race at one point. Y- yes, maybe. Yeah, but it's no longer a a full fledged like race. Let's or anything hit like that. on that at the end. Like during episode okay. eight, and then I can kind of give okay. an okay explanation of like what was going on. Um, but no, so he takes on uh, Calican, starts uh, you know leading him down to where yeah. uh, to show what he Fennec, needs to do. Show be, what he to needs be... to do. The the yeah. exchange with the Tuscan Raiders is pretty fucking great. Uh, if anyone has ever played like Knights of the Old Republic. Um, dealing that instance where you have to deal with the Tuscan Raiders in barter and mm-hmm. trade, they are all about fucking you over. They don't like you. You don't fucking belong here. Uh, yeah. These are our sands, <laughs> and if you're going to have passage, then you need to fucking give me something in return. Uh, and this that was hilarious. Where he's like, "Oh, if I see a Tuscan Raider, he's like, well, why don't you tell one? He's right behind you." <laughs> <laughs> and there's just two Tuscan Raiders right behind mm-hmm. him, and he's like playing fucking American Sign Language with them, trying to barter with them. And he's just like, "Hey, hey, give me your give me your binoculars." Yeah, sure. There you go. 
<laughs> so what the fuck and you do that dead. for? It's just like you just bought yourself passage. They'll fucking kill you. <laughs> they're no joke. God damn! Like yeah, when, when, the the, shit out of you. when a Mandalorian is scared of a Tuscan Raider, they a problem. Yeah, but that's all I really got for that episode. Yeah, though. no, it. I think that it follows episode four as well, and kind of like lying in a formula. Um, yeah. it's a little bit of like the master and apprentice that you'll see in other shows where someone takes you under the wing, the, under their wing, uh, showing you the ropes. Um, and then like, you know, any other shitty spy novel where it's just like, Oh, I've, I've double crossed you that end that ending fight, even though it took, it was like really, really quick, really good. I do like the use of the, uh, the flash grenades, which I want to get into, like their approach going in on Fennec when she had the high ground and they were using the speeder bikes. It was really smart. It was smart as fuck where they were using the, the flash grenades or whatever they were using to kind of like blind her because she was using a special optic and she was so focused on them. At and then night. Whenever yeah. it popped off, she's just like, I can't fucking look at this. Um, yeah. No, that, that was some I, cool I also shit. saw the ending from like that's an episode where anyone that has a brain can see the ending coming a mile away. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So the minute I the minute I saw like he's like I'm gonna go get the do back. I was like, oh something's gonna fucking go wrong mm-hmm. here. <laughs> I would have like, sent she's him. She's gonna kill him. I thought I okay, that was the thing was I didn't expect him to kill her. I expected the other way around. I actually expected her to kill him. Like I could see that. I can I can definitely understand what you're saying, but I can also see the opposite where I was just like this kid this kid can't be that stupid. He can't yeah. be that fucking dumb. Yeah. And then, you know, in a way, he, he proved me right. So whatever. It's fine. <laughs> the next episode, since it's my favorite one, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a break and I'll run through the plot of okay. this one. Yeah, so. sure. The next episode, it's uh, chapter six. It's called The Prisoner. So the Mandalorian reaches out to his old friend, Ron, or Ran, Ron, whatever, who was assembled, who has assembled a crew consisting of ex-Imperial sh- uh, sharpshooter Mayfield, the Deveronian strongman Berg, the droid pilot Zero and the knife wielding Twi'lek woman Zeon to rescue Zeon's brother Keen. These names are killing me. I'm trying real hard though. <laughs> I'm telling you, and it, like it's like giant run-on sentences. It's not my fault. Yeah, it's just like the Mandalorian went to hang out with Booba Baba, and then he went and did the Fifo with the Vipapu. You're just like that's what all this shit is. It's like you expect the sentence to stop, and then it doesn't stop. It goes on for another it's two Wikipedia, miles. Dude. But whatever. I've already told you if you go look up for uh, the Magic the Gathering Wikipedia uh, for Jace the whatever. At one point he goes, and then at the end of a paragraph it just says, and then Jace went and sucked off Garuk's wa- uh, wolf penis. Because <laughs> I'm reading the Wikipedia, and I I was talking to my roommate, and I said, hold on a minute, did you read this last sentence? <laughs> He read it and we lost our shit. Anyway, uh, they're all uh, going to rescue uh, a prisoner on, of the New Republic. So I like how the Empire, the Empire and the Republic are both in this, but they're kind of just like in there. Of course, the Empire are like the really bad ones, but even as the Republic, like they're good guys. Like they're transporting these criminals, like they're supposed to be. But it's kind of like they're also the bad. Like they're the ticking time bomb in this. That's episode. not a transport. That's a prison. Like those motherfuckers well, are stuck there. I think. I thought it was a prisoner transport. So, you could be right, but I thought that it was a prison. Like that motherfucker. Okay. Those motherfuckers are stuck there perpetually. Well, the next sentence says, "Upon arri- on a- upon arrival on the prison ship." So 
again, we both of us could be right. Uh, they fight through the security droids and make it to the control room where a New Republic soldier triggers a beacon alerting the New Republic. The crew rescues Keen, but double-crosses the Mandalorian. He escapes, isolates, and defeats each crew member, then captures Keen. The Mandalorian delivers Keen to Ron and departs with the money. Ron attempts to send a gunship after the Mandalorian to kill him, but the New Republic beacon has been placed on Keen, leading a trio of X-Wings to Ron's station. The X-Wings open fire on the hangar. The, that's a weird, like, why I just had that small sentence. The last scene shows Mayfield, Berg, and Zeon nursing their wounds in a cell on the prison transport, having been spared. Uh, the first reason I love this episode is because Bill Burr is in it. Yep. And uh, I have, funny, there's a little thing here is Bill Burr is not a Star Wars fan, but he ran into John Favreau at a birthday party and was offered a role in The Mandalorian. So that's why he's in this episode. <laughs> he plays a good villain. Like... He put yeah. You you could tell he, from he his stand up. He plays a good shit bag. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like top tier shit bag. You can see it in his. Oh, stand-up. there's a little bit of his stand up in there. Oh yeah, there's a little bit of his like twang. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, but no, Bill Burr does really really well in it. I don't know who Nadia Tena is. She plays a Zeon. Clancy Brown plays Berg. Uh, all, all around. Clancy Brown. Good. Oh, that's Clancy Brown. Okay. Good crew. I, I don't know who Clancy Brown is. Oh. I know you. Oh, wait. Natalia Tenna, isn't she from Game of Thrones? No, she's... Oh, she's Tonks in Harry Potter. I don't know who Tonks is, but I do know who uh, Osha is from Game of Thrones. Tonks was the, the one wizard or the one witch that had, like... She had a nose ring, so you're like, oh, she fucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was fine. But no, I'm pretty sure she's in Game of Thrones as well. Okay. Pretty sure she's in Game of Thrones. Uh... This episode was great. I love this episode. I love this is my favorite episode. Zian's personality, just being that fucking psycho, uh, is great. Berg is like kind of like the doofy muscle of the group. Mayfield was yeah. great. Uh, to be honest, Zero is fucking annoying, but you don't see a whole. Oh, lot he's of the him. guy from the community, not the community. He's from the IT crowd. Oh yeah. Oh wow. I didn't know that. They had a lot of people in this episode. Yeah, nah. Um, the the approach when he gets on Ran, you immediately know that there is something going on. Like these two oh, are yeah. not jiving. Uh, Ranzer is They've really worked distant. together before. Uh, they were they were apparently like really close at one point, but then they talk about how the Mandalorian just up and dipped out and never came back and that's why zn's got a target on his back she's like doing like this very sensual like i'm gonna kill you type thing that's going on it's kind of weird but it's yeah. fine it's like a sexy i'm gonna kill you yeah <laughs> uh mayfield is kind of like you know i was a sharpshooter uh but i i'm not a stormtrooper i was a sharpshooter stop calling me a stormtrooper like that really loud <laughs> arrogant type shit that you expect from bill burr like, you're waiting for Bill Burr to be like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> like, at any moment. Because <laughs> if this was a rated R series, mm-hmm. those would have been the first words out of his mouth. He'd be like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Like, that would have been exactly his first words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Berg, Berg is probably my least favorite character out of it, even though Zero is annoying. Uh, Zero is just kind of like that know-it-all, like... I mean, he's a droid. Yeah, whatever. So He's not as, he's not as cool as IG-11. Or IG-88, no. but no, he's he's fine. Uh, I love how Mark Boone Jr., who plays uh, Ran, he he just never changes what he looks like in anything. 
if you've seen him in The Mandalorian and then you saw him in, he was in that movie 30 Days of Night. He's in Sons with of Anarchy. Josh. He was in Sons of Anarchy. This man has never changed his look for any role he's ever been in. Nah. <laughs> he's, it's great. Uh, but no, getting getting to the ship, um, you know, you could feel the tension the entire time that they're on the Razor Crest. Uh, oh, yeah. Constantly, like, fucking with his shit and to the point where I was getting fucking anxiety. Where I'm like, yo. It's like, leave his shit alone. <laughs> leave it alone. Stop being a fucking douchebag. They're constantly, like, well, poking that- and prodding him. And then find and that gets to the point where they find the baby, right? So they were just like, "The fuck is this? This is a pet. Do I eat it? What are you saving this for?" <laughs> uh, but then they finally get onto the prison, uh, the prison ship, uh, and they're trying to make it through without alerting any of the guard droids. Surprise! They fuck up because Berg's a dumbass. Uh, yeah, or was it? They just fuck over the Mandalorian. They're just like, have fun with that. Well, I mean, they should have known because when the security droids were coming in, the Mandalorian just came over and just fuck shit up. And, you know, everyone yeah. was just like, oh, goddamn. I could have done that and, like, all angsty and shit like that. When they oh, finally. Yeah. Me- but when they do. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but when they when they do do the double cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of becomes a haunted house horror kind of like movie a little bit. To the point where it's almost funny. Yeah, where you're just like, especially with Bill Burr's character, because he is a fucking coward. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, no, like even when the Mandalorian like gets up on him, he's like, no, (laughs) like it's it's hilarious. Yeah. Before we we start touching in on that, um, the the scene where they meet up with the the rebel trooper and he's got the Mm -hmm the the tracking fob Beacon. for the the x-wings and it's just like don't don't fuck with him he's got a fob on him don't fucking kill him and Tweely, this bitch is just constantly like yo i don't give a shit i don't care i want to fucking kill you and i don't remember who actually ends up pulling the trigger killing him and setting the fob off i think he falls and doesn't the fob like activate when he falls because she kills him she throws a knife in mm-hmm. his chest i don't remember um how it actually activates but they all realize that it activates and they're just like yo we need to find this motherfucker now and so there is no negotiation with that fob when that fob is registered the x-wings show up and they blow up the prison ship yep that's what they do um they run in they find kin or keen however you spell say his name and as they're having their short little reunion they knock out the the mandalorian throw him into the ship zero is still waiting on the ship uh not realizing that the baby is there uh and then the baby's just creeping is around waiting like for the, the guys to do their extract um during that time the mandalorian breaks out goes to the control room uh shuts down all the lights but when he's in the middle of doing that berg shows up and then they go into yeah. a one-on-one fight that fight was pretty dope Berg is obviously a super strong motherfucker. Uh, at one he can't point, deal with doors that come sideways. Yeah, no, though. he can't deal with doors. That, <laughs> like when I saw that, I'm just like, oh, he, they chopped his face. Like, like it's not he's his head, in it's half, his like face. so he's in half the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, he, so they they fought all around that small ass control room, and I want to say that he kicked him off. He tried using fire on him; it didn't work. Like he tried using yeah. his the Mandalorian tried using his flamethrower; it didn't work. Uh, then the Mandalorian like kind of kicks him out and shuts the the blast door 
coming vertically down on him. And as it's coming down, it's like he almost has it. And then Berg just like stands up and holds it up. And he's yeah, just like, he's like, yeah, Fuck motherfucker, you. I'm a strong ass bitch. And then he's just like, well, here's door number two. <laughs> <laughs> the sideways blast doors. <laughs> Closes in, like cuts his face off. I was just like, that's what we thought. Yeah, that's what we thought. Because when I saw that, I was just like, oh. oh. <laughs> Well, because we were teased with the first episode where the one guy gets cut in half. Right, right. So you're like, okay, maybe this happened and they didn't show it. No, what it but is at the is end, the motherfucker has a strong-ass jaw, but that's neither here or there. He's got a rough chin got on him. a rough-ass chin on him. <laughs> uh, then he shuts down the lights. They, uh, Kin, Quinn, I'm going to call him Quinn. I know that's not the way you spell it, but Quinn, yeah, Mayfield, sure. and Gian uh, splits up. Right, which is terrible. In any D and D party, you never split the party because that's how you never. die. You never split the party. Yes. Uh, next person to get fucked up was Jian. Uh, I don't remember this fight particularly. Um, it, I think it was like the least memorable of. The I think he just kind of like drops in on her. Yeah, and you think he stabs her. Yeah, they they go back and forth for a little bit. I think he knocks a weapon. She knocks a weapon out of his hand. I think he had like a vibro sword or something like that. Um, but she yeah. goes down pretty quickly. Um, after that, he you know he's like creeping up on Mayfield, and like when he's creeping up on him, it's like the lights will turn on and he's there, and then they'll go out and the lights will turn on again and he's not. So the entire yeah, like time, a- Bill Burr is like freaking the fuck out he's just like yeah oh <laughs> it's like resident evil That's, star this, wars it's the comedy one yeah yeah and then finally when he shows up he's like gives that ah! scream yeah it's 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 all right uh finally yeah but at the end the, no, the mandalorian goes in uh corners quinn uh, Quinn having no weapons on him whatsoever, maybe like a blaster, and that's it. And the Mandalorian is just like, "What the fuck are you going to do? You you can't fucking kill me. Yeah, you're you're gonna get fucked up." Uh, they make a deal where it's just like, "Look, we leave everyone here, we go do our thing, and that's it." And he's just like, "What about your partner?" So he's just like, "What about them?" No, he was like, "What about your sister?" He goes, "I don't care." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't know that they're not dead. Right, you think like, that everyone are all been dead. fucking murked. So cuz it's I mean the Mando's done it before. Yeah. So they get on the ship, the Razor Crest. Uh there's like this entire scene where Zero has been like playing hide and hide and seek with the baby trying to kill him and the baby's like hiding here and there. Up oh, am, am I am I near the grating? Yeah. Nope, I'm not near the grating. Now I am. Now I'm behind these boxes. And like the zero is getting ready to like shoot that motherfucker. And when the baby climbs back into his like his little shelf, his cubby where he uh-huh. sleeps, and the zero opens it up, finds it, gets ready to kill it, and then you hear boom. And the mandala shoots him back in his head. Yeah. He's he's all cool with shooting droids. Yep, don't give <laughs> don't give a shit about no droids. But yeah, and then takes the razor crest. Back to the uh, to Ron, Rand, to Ron Rand, or Rand's like place, his whatever. his fucking auto shop, and when Rand sees Quinn, he's just like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" And then he sees, and only the Mandalorian's there, and he's just like, "Fuck." Yeah, because he wanted the Mandalorian to die in that mission. Yeah, so Rand is just like, just thought, you know, they 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 have a banter going back and forth. Rand is just like, you know, you know what happened on the ship like what was going on and he was just like you know how it is don't ask questions 
Mandalorian yeah. is like, keep your mouth shut. Don't worry about it. You know, just like old times, just like you said, just like old yeah. times. And he's just like, you know what? That's right. Just like old times. And so the Mandalorian dips the fuck out after receiving his payment. And then Rand calls up to like one of his guys in the bunker. And he's just like, yo, send a ship out there and fuck his shit up. Like, I don't know if it was a ship or a gun. I think it was a ship. Rand was getting ready to pilot that shit. And as it's coming out, Quinn hears a beeping noise. And he's just like, what the fuck is that beeping noise? And he sees that something's been lodged in his back pocket. And it's the tracking fob <laughs> from the X-Wings. And when I saw yep. that shit, I'm like, oh, you fucked. <laughs> you are fucked yep. up. <laughs> because the X-Wings show up and they're like, eh, look, this looks weird. And they're like, uh-oh, they're about to deploy a ship. And then they just unload they just into it. unload the- and just wreck that motherfucker i'm just what sucks is uh mayfield uh zeon and berg are just on that ship which no one knows is there now yeah because the person piloting it is dead the x-wings have killed what they thought what the tracker was on Mm -hmm. so now it's just lost in space they're all dead they all died well so I would think that, and it might be cool if they do show up in a later season where they were able to get out and they piloted them themselves and got out and all that stuff. Like, they could do that later down the road. Like, something just shows up one episode. And you're like, Bill Burr's back. You're like, what the fuck? Mayfield? So I could see them doing that. Like, I could see them, like, that being a possibility. I think that the better option would be to not. Uh the reason is, is because true, yeah. I think that having a definite end to certain villains, especially side villains, um, kind of pulls the story better or like pushes I mean, the story. Better. We have lar- a larger villain now that we have to worry about, which brings us into these next few episodes, right. these next two episodes. Right. Like, I just think that them. These are the comedy side uh, villains. Yeah. I just feel like. Them bringing back those villains would be a little bit of deus ex machina because at the end of the day, nothing matters. Like, whatever the, the Mandalorian does doesn't matter at that point. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, but but that's all about it. Like, in that line of work, though, like, if you don't end up killing someone, you might see him again. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, next episode is Chapter 7, The Reckoning. Uh, the Mandalorian receives a message from Grief Karga. Karga's town has been overrun by Imperial troopers led by the client who is desperate to recover the child. Karga proposes that the Mandalorian uses the child as bait in order to kill the client and free the town. In return, Karga will square things away with the guild, which will allow the Mandalorian and the child to live in peace. Sensing a trap, the Mandalorian recruits Cara Dune and Quill, uh, Quill the Ognaught, that wasn't there before earlier, uh, to a system. Cool has also re- rebuilt and reprogrammed IG-11 to, ask a, to act as a nurse droid instead of a bounty hunter. And the group journeys over to Navarro. Upon arrival, they meet Karga and his associates, but en route to the town, they are attacked by Minox. Karga is injured, but the ch- child uses the force to heal his wound. In return, Karga shoots his associates and explains that his original plan was to kill the Mandalorian and take the child to the client. But after the child saved his life, he could not go through with it. The group formulates a new plan. Karga will pretend that the Dune captured the Mandalorian. Will pretend that Dune captured the Mandalorian, and all three will enter the town to meet the client. Meanwhile, Kuil will return the child to the ship. During the meeting, the client receives a call from Moff Gideon, whose stormtroopers and death troopers surround the building and open fire, killing the client 
and Gideon arrives and boasts that the child will soon be in his possession. In the desert outside in the desert outside town, two scout troopers track down and kill Quill and kidnap the child. The last shot shows Quill in a heap on the ground. That was kind of, that was that was the most saddest part. I was like, no. Yeah, like, it, it it was rough. He was a pure character. <laughs> like he he was like the best character. Like as far as like morality or you know just yeah a general like honest to good soul like out of any of the characters the one who didn't deserve to die ends up dying he died he died yeah um what does he always say i have spoken yeah that's what he always I have said. spoken <laughs> don't stop stop talking to me i have spoken this is what we're i have doing. spoken uh yeah this was this was a good episode um I'm not going to say that it's my favorite episode. However, it did reveal certain things about the child that are interesting. And there's one thing that I said at the beginning of the podcast or at the beginning of the episode. Uh, generally, uh, the Yoda race has been attuned to the light side of the force. Um, they have lights. And, and if you've ever played like Knights of the Old Republic or looked into the lore of Star Wars, as far as the Jedi and Sith are concerned, you would know that there are light side moves and there are dark side moves. And there's been kind of a restructuring of the lore and content since Disney took over. Typically, uh, moves like Force Choke has been considered a dark side move, or dark side force technique. And when... The Mandalorian receives Karga's message and he decides to go recruit Cara Dune. Uh, one of the times while they're waiting in between, you see Karga Dune, Cara Dune and the Mandalorian participating in an arm wrestling contest. The baby depicts this as Dune is fucking the Mandalorian up, which he's already recognized yeah. as daddy, and fucking chokes that bitch out. Yeah. Which... A lot of people in the Star Wars community was just like, fucking what? Because... But also, the baby healed somebody, too. So I'm not... We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so the first thing is that the baby chokes out Kara, which is a big yeah. deal because either now they're changing it where um, force abilities no longer have alignment, which would be huge which would be a huge fucking deal because then that mean that opens up the possibility of jedi being able to use force lightning or force fire or you know some other bullshit um two that the yoda race is not inherently aligned to the light side of the force or there might be something specifically special about this child but it's it was a very uncommon or interesting move by the writers to include that and that being well, approved. see, I, I looked at it as the baby might be walking the path of gray, if that's a thing. So, in this world, because the Jedi's that walk the path of gray can basically dip into both sides of the Force. There's a lot of debate on the existence of gray Jedi. They are not canonical. Um, however, there are examples of Jedi that don't necessarily think, uh, walk. The path of the Jedi. I think Qui Gon was one. Qui Gon Jinn is like the perfect example. Um, he was just like, "Yo, just use the Force, feel the Force." You know, whatever the, yeah. the Jedi Order says. Everybody's just using the Force, touching everybody. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I just want to get on up in this touching. <laughs> exactly. Like Qui Gon is the perfect example of that. Also, like the Black Jedi from Knights of the Old Republic. He's considered a great Jedi. 
Um, some people would argue that Revan, after going back and forth from being Jedi to Sith Lord, back to whatever the fuck he so decided. Yeah, like if you look into like his backstory from the legends, the I think that he yeah. goes back at, to being Sith at least twice, and I think he ends up staying that way. Um, but yeah, I think he's Jedi Sith, Jedi Sith. Yeah. Um, there is, I forget his name. He's the main character of the Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy games. Um, especially Jedi Outcast. He's also in Dark Forces. Uh, I think he was trained as a stormtrooper. It's fucking me up that I think his name is like Caleb or Kalen. Uh, he trains under Luke Skywalker, but he's, a uh, he's also considered a great Jedi. But as far as the existence of like, the gray Jedi or whether or not the child is walking the path of gray. Um, that's just going to take some time to kind of let the new star Wars canon develop. Sorry. I'm going through. I found the many Jedi who were trained by Luke Skywalker. Oh, so the first one's Lobaka. <laughs> <laughs> um, so about that, all those people that were trained by Luke Skywalker, it used to be like it's back in like the 80s. Kyle Katarn. There you go, Kyle Katarn. Um, back in the 80s and 90s and even the 2000s, not so much of the 2000s because they had the uh, the prequel trilogy to write their fan fictions on, but everyone was writing like their own fan fiction about how Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker made them the chosen one or made them the new super special Jedi. And they carry their legacy. There's a lot. Oh, yeah. It's fucking stupid. Like, I appreciate that George Lucas allowed anybody to write a Star Wars book. I think it's great. But there was no control <laughs> at all. <laughs> there wasn't. Every single book there was that no came like... out. I'm a Jedi. I am putting my persona Onto this character, and Luke Skywalker loves me. He wants this dick. This is this is the furry community, but with just Jedi. Yeah, yeah. I, I I could I could definitely see that. I want an off pink lightsaber because it's me. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's dumb. It's stupid. Uh, but no, going going back to the child. I thought that shit was interesting. Once they finally get there, like I knew. That fucking Grief Karga was pulling some fucking bullshit. He was constantly doing the, oh, yeah. the shifty eyes with his assistants and his bounty hunters. Um, when the fucking Minox came out of nowhere, I'm like, oh, someone's going to fucking die. They're like small it dragons <laughs> coming in out of nowhere. And then yeah. of all people. With poison talents? Yeah, like it was just like, oh, you are not. A, you do not have the right loadout to deal with this issue. And I'm, I felt more. I felt sadder for the dobacks or whatever they were, the blargs or whatever they're called, than the guy that got taken away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The blarg was just like did absolutely nothing wrong. Like this he's is like ah fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you saw the face. You're just like ah. Yeah, he's like ah, I'm dead. <laughs> like even if you like got out of the claws, you were dead because mm-hmm. you're gonna die from the fucking poison. And the baby can only save one person. Yeah, that goes into the other thing. The fact that Force Heal is a fucking thing now. Like, I... Isn't that just like, why did a lot of these people die if Force Heal existed? Why Why did, why did Qui-Gon die? Because Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't fucking unlock the Force Heal uh, ability in his fucking skill well, tree. That's the, that's the fight, too, is like, oh, the lightsaber kills you. It, it wounds you, but it also cauterizes the wound. That was an argument so, or a thing that me and my friends were constantly talking about 
back That's in an high argument school, on the internet. Like, yeah, I was in the eighth grade, and we're all sitting at the lunch table, and we're just like, "How the fuck did Darth Maul die?" Because the lightsaber burns you and it cauterizes the wound. Yeah, you can't shoot okay, for a so, couple days, but you could crawl your ass out of there. No, okay. So it's like thinking about like, so I could see like if your arm gets cut off or something like that, like you're not going to bleed out. Right. Because the lightsaber has cauterized the wound. If you get cut in half, that's a different story because there are vital organs that now have blockages that weren't there before. And also aren't connected to the other part of the vital organ. So, yes, your intestines get fucked up. But where... And also Darth Maul did crawl away. Well, yeah, <laughs> he, he did. Like, you later find that out because they decided, like, oh, I miss Darth Maul. He was a cool character. Let's throw him back in, <laughs> in fucking the Clone Wars and the canceled fucking video game that we should have gotten. Um, uh, I hate Star Wars. <laughs> But no, where Darth Maul got cut makes sense that he would be able to survive because your liver is up here, your stomach is up in this area, and he got cut down over near the waist. And the only thing that's down near the waist is the multiple intestines that are folding into each other, which I don't know how this man shits now. I think that he just but drinks. He just force shits. Oh, he like. force shits? <laughs> Force heals a thing. Force shits a thing. <laughs> Apparently not until the Mandalorian, which God damn, I hate the existence of that ability. That's it breaks the continuity. It just fucks up a lot of things. Oh yeah, <laughs> like now you're sitting there going like, why didn't you fucking do anything, Luke? Why didn't you? You could have just force healed Anakin. Also, like, <laughs> yep, yep, all that, all that's a fucking problem. Anytime a Jedi gets struck down by a blaster, you could just be like. All right, if they didn't die right away, you we can, can have fix like this. the dedicated Jedi healing battalion just go out there and just be like, heal. Yeah. The, heal. the Jedi medics. Yeah. It, it, it would have been a thing. They would have been the most important motherfuckers out in the battlefield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Right. Heroes never die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah. Carl Weathers gets like ripped up in the leg. Baby uses, you know, Kiraga. Heals the motherfucker. Um, Fuck you. It wouldn't be Kiraga. It, it would be the one that's the antidote one. Nah. It, well, Kiraga heals. It doesn't take away poison. Let me move my glasses up. Hold on. <laughs> no, you got to use the middle <laughs> finger to push up your glasses. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, no, there's. I think there's one where it heals and also cures. Uh, Isn't it? No, purify is when you get pe petrified. No, soft, anyway. soft is when you get petrified. <laughs> soft? Never mind. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> anyway, not important. So he fucking Kiraga's that bitch. And then, you know, that one act of kindness is like, oh, I guess I can kill my fucking stormtroop compatriots. Boom, boom. They're not even stormtroopers. No, whatever. I don't, I don't give a shit. They were working for the man. Uh, and they get back to the, to the town. And he's just like, okay, yo, we need to, to figure some shit out. And take the baby back to the ship, and that would be it. And then they try to pull this plan off, and it just goes to shit because the client's like, I want to see the baby. You don't need to see the baby right now. I was like, no, no, no. I really want to see the baby. Like, So the thing is, okay, so there was a time element to this, right? He had to bring him back by a certain yes, time. Yes, it had to client. be the next day. Okay. so they Because I was about to be like, why didn't they just walk a little bit slower until 
Q, uh, Quill could get back to the ship, and then they're like, "Okay, we're here." Yeah, no, there was there was a time element, which is the reason why uh, Krill took the not the dewback, but the the blurg back to the ship, and they were already like yeah. a day's travel gone. And it was the early morning when they finally got onto the outskirts of Navarro. So he was just like, "Yo, yeah, that's true. Take these bitches back. Take this bitch back." I'm going to go with Kara and dipshit over here, and we're going to have this empty-ass casket, you know, do the thing. Now, what's important is that IG-11 is back at the, the ship, ship because um, Mando, Mando didn't, didn't trust, him. trust him. That's right. Um, so they show up in, into town. They meet the client. The client's like, I want to see the baby. They try to buy time. The client's like, no, I really want to see the baby. And at that point, that's when Moff Gideon shows up. And he's just like, Mercs. Hey, everybody. man, where's my shit? And the client's just like, no, 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 I have it. And it's just like, nah, things have changed. And then all these stormtroopers surround the building. They just sh- totally fucking giant shootout. Swiss cheese that bitch. Kill him, kill any of the stormtroopers that were in there. Everyone's ducking for cover. Like, the Mandalorian's fine because he has Beskar armor, but everyone just gets fucked up. They go shooting for, like, a good minute, and they all stand up. Death troopers are here. And then Moff Gideon is just like, hey, I'm about to have the child in about five fucking minutes, so you guys should just come out here, accept your defeat, let me kill you, and let me be about my day. And at that very end is when you see two uh, stormtroopers on speeder bikes, unfortunately, murk Krill and take the baby away. You know what's funny is, I was reading this, they said, uh, so the episode features several stormtroopers in a single scene, more so than what the production team had suits for. To make this possible, the team contacted the 501st Legion, a fan group dedicated to cosplay of stormtroopers, Imperial officers, and other Star Wars villains. We saw them at MAGFest. Yeah, the 501st is a, uh, a giant charity group. Um, they go around to different hospitals and like meet kids and shit. It's really cool. Uh, I st- I tried signing up for the 501st. I just don't have a <laughs> stormtrooper outfit, so I can't fucking do anything. Um, but it's it's cool. I like I like the the charity the portly stormtrooper. Yeah, the fat one. <laughs> You'd have the one with the small little gut. In the front. <laughs> like the I, armor, I mean, I get I'd, I'd be right there with the you. Armor so. like it's it's still regular ass armor, but my gut would overhang. <laughs> like it's just spilling out yeah the yeah yeah, yeah. And it's not even like in a black shirt or anything it's your actual it's my gut. actual gut <laughs> like so oh man i think you're out of regs i think you need to shut the fuck up <laughs> you're just a raw <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh but it's a cliffhanger episode it is a cliffhanger yeah, episode I, you go into the next episode which is chapter eight redemption uh, after the Mandalorian, Cara Dune, and Grief Karga are trapped, IG-11 rescues the child. The Mandalorian finds a vent in the sewers where he hopes to find his people's hidden stronghold. Moff Gideon gives him until nightfall to surrender or he will bring his troops to fire. The Mandalorian recognizes Gideon. Gideon had been an officer in the Empire's secret police when the Empire took over Mandalore. IG-11 arrives on a scout trooper's bike with a child blasting through the stormtroopers. The Mandalorian takes down several more but is injured by Gideon. As they take cover inside, Gideon orders a trooper with a flamethrower to burn them all out, and the child uses the force to reflect the flames back and immolate the stormtrooper. 
The Mandalorian and IG-11 remain while Dune and Karga take the child to the sewers. IG-11 removes the Mandalorian's helmet to retreat his injuries before they join the others in the sewers. After, after arriving at the, Mandalor the Mandalorian Enclave, they find it abandoned except for the Armorer, who explains that the Imperials found the Enclave when the Mandalorians revealed themselves. Upon seeing the child who saved the Mandalorian on, fr from the Mudhorn on Avala 7, the armorer mentions that its powers are similar to that of a Jedi, ancient enemies of the Mandalorians. She charges the Mandalorian to take the child back to its people wherever they might be. She, she carves a Mudhorn signet into his spalder and gives him a jetpack. The armorer remains behind. The Mandalorian, Dune, Karga, IG-11, and the child escape down an underground lava river. IG-11 elects to sacrifice himself by walking into the ambush and activating his self-destruct. After they emerge from the tunnel, Gideon attacks in his TIE fighter. The Mandalorian uses his jetpack to fly up to Gideon's fighter and plants explosives, which knocks the aircraft out of the air and crashes into the desert. With the Imperial seemingly dealt with, Cargret invites the Mandalorian to return to the guild, but he refuses, as he must take care of the child. Dune elects to remain behind and work as Cargret's uh, enforcer. The Mandalorian buries Kree beneath the Karn of Stones and returns to his ship uh, for the journey to come. As the Mandalorian departs Navarro, Gideon cuts himself out of the down fighter with the Darksaber. Uh, what was I going to say? This is probably my favorite episode. Yeah, I mean, it was directed by yeah. Taika Waititi. So, uh, but the main thing I want to talk about is we, ne I ne we don't see an on-camera death of the armor. No, that bitch is alive. Yeah, she is taking, and she's not using anything nah. fancy. She's using motherfucking yep. hammers to just wreck. And like, I'm not talking like a big hammer from Monster Hunter, just a ball peen yep. hammers, <laughs> and just murking stormtroopers so, with it. Starting from the beginning, um, in the very in the very early things where you have uh, Jason Sudeikis and Adam Adam Polly, yeah, fucking with the baby. I love that scene. Like. Everyone got legitimately well, also, upset when they were like hitting the baby, like punching the baby and shit like that. Well, this scene made it canonical that even stormtroopers are aware that they can't. Oh shoot yeah, yeah, because right. they're they like find a can <laughs> on the ground and they try shooting it and they miss every single fucking time. And it's just like the one guy does, it and the other guy goes, "What the hell?" So he like he starts shooting, it and they just kind of like look at their guns for a second. <laughs> That was a really funny, like, I feel like Taika Waititi, like, so a lot of the director, the directors were able to put their stamp, like, their kind of personalized thing on mm -hmm. every episode. I feel that was a Taika yeah, It should Waititi. be mentioned that each episode of The Mandalorian has a different director. Like, everything was written by, uh, by John Favreau, but each of the directors yeah. were different. Um, but after the Stormtroopers beat the shit out of the baby... Uh, IG-11 shows up and he's just like, yo, that's mine. I'm, I'm going to take this now. Yeah. And they're just like, no, fuck you. He's just like, IG-11 is like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. And then he picks up one of the stormtroopers and repeatedly bashes him into the fucking speeder bike. <laughs> the other one, like, yeah, well, he's, he's a nurse, nurse spot. And he's now. just like, no, I'm this child's caretaker. He's like, I don't give a fuck. He was like, no, no, no. You don't understand. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> the other one tries to draw his gun. And he just breaks his fucking arm. I, I don't know if he yeah. shoots him. I think he hits him and like yeets that bitch. They're done. They're done. There's still They're one done. good speeder bike. And he like finds a child and he's just like, I have to take you. You're coming with me. 
Yeah. And then I think that there's a transmission that the Mandalorian or Grief Karga or whoever is trying to reach out back to the ship. And IG-11, yeah, they're trying to get in touch with Krill. And then IG-11 is just like, oh, Krill is deceased. I have taken over. And they're just like, what the fuck did you do? I was like, I didn't fucking do anything. I'm here for the baby. And he's just like, okay, well, we're holed up in this cantina that's been blown to shit and we're about to die. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, <laughs> just don't worry. I'll, I'll take care of it. He's like, what are you going to do? He's like, what my purpose is. And I'm going to fuck up the term. Kick ass. I think he says something along the lines of to serve and protect, which is really like what the police's thing is, <laughs> like the police's yeah. logo or motto is. But he's just like, oh, I, I'm here to protect. And then he just rides off in that speeder. And it is like the quickest fucking shootout. Like I've ever seen, IG Eleven goes through this the the city streets of Navarro, go weaving back and forth. All these stormtroopers are out. They see this motherfucker. They're trying to react, but IG Eleven is just like no hand blasters. Boom, 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 boom. He's like spinning his body three hundred and sixty degrees, killing yeah. all these motherfuckers. The baby has the biggest fucking smile on his face as he's going like a hundred and twenty <laughs> miles an hour through the city streets. They get to the end and he just jumps off his bike, wrapped like flips the baby around on his back and he just starts murking stormtroopers. The three of them come out and they're just like, oh, oh, this shit is on. And they start shooting at other stormtroopers too. Now, what's important is that not only are there stormtroopers, there are death troopers. Death troopers are important because uh, they're kind of like the special forces. Um, I don't remember too much off the top of my head, but each of the uh, moths had their own unit of these special forces guys. Yeah. Didn't the death troopers also have like the resistant to uh, the armor that was resistant to lightsabers? I do not because know they for certain. Um, there was a specific metal that it was made out of that lightsabers couldn't penetrate, but the metal was very rare. So they gave it to very high profiled, like special elite. Uh, I don't have an answer for you. Um, that's why I thought their their stuff was their uh, stormtrooper outfits were black. No, it, I mean it could be a possibility. The, I think that the only other troopers that wear black attire are either the Tie pilots or like the pilots in general, and also the Inquisitors. Uh, Inquisitors wore all black during that time, and I mean they, the Inquisitors were force sensitive. So I mean you could be right. <clears throat> in fact, let me see. Um, I'm looking them up right now. Death troopers are elite soldiers of imperial intelligence encased in specialized armor and a dark, ominous gleam. These soldiers serve as bodyguards and enforcers for VIP imperial individuals such as Director Krennic and Grad Admiral Thrawn. Their name is derived by the Legends novel Death Troopers, and in canon, these troopers are named so because of rumors that they are zombie-like fighters. Okay, maybe that's not the ones I thought then. I mean, they're badasses. They're kind of like the berserkers of... Uh... The stern or the shock troopers of uh, the fucking Imperial Army. I, yo, I've never been so terrified <laughs> of a motherfucker with a flamethrower in a show in a very oh, long yeah. time. <laughs> that stormtrooper with a flamethrower they, was they fucking make They make the weapon. Like, everyone feels very, very mortal in this show. Like, one shot and you're dead, which is a change of pace coming from Star Wars because you have magical Jedi that can, like, take every single hit throw their fucking lightsaber around and just kill everybody in a single blow. So it's, it's like, I know you don't like the movie, 
but it's kind of like the same level of fragility that you saw in Rogue One, where the entire battlefront scene comes in. Everyone's like shooting yeah. each other and they're all going down in one hit. There's death and decay everywhere. It's it's great. But it's great. Uh, during that giant fight scene, you see uh, the Mandalorian going in, slaying bodies. You see Kara going in, slaying bodies. You see grief cargo with his two little pistols and he's like he's trying to keep up and he takes out his pistol, like pew <laughs> and he goes in and he's like oh i have to have to line this one up yeah pew yeah. and he's like he's doing the bare minimum while trying to like shout orders and shit like that motherfucker good for nothing right. uh but the mandalorian sees that they were setting up a turret it was a brand new type of turret i think it was somewhat similar to what we saw in episode one but the mandalorian is just like oh i need to take that shit over you know, runs up, does his Mandalorian magic, knocks out a few bitches, takes the turret, and is trying to, like, mow down as many people as he can. Moff Gideon is, like, sitting in this battle, like, y'all bitches are stupid. Gets up, sees the Mandalorian <laughs> taking the turret, sees that it's connected to a generator, and he's just like, boom. Blows up yeah, the generator. blows the generator up. Like, gravely injuring the Mandalorian. That's when things turn south. More death troopers start coming in. They start fucking them up. Kara drags uh, the Mandalorian back inside the house. The uh, Grief Karga tries shooting, making a, uh, a tactical retreat while IG-11 takes the child inside. They're all trying to recalculate what it is that they want to do. And that's when uh, Moff Gideon and the Mandalorian recognize each other. And that's when you have the, the, the epiphany that mandalorians are not a race it is a creed so you are right the mandalorians in the beginning were a race they were led by i believe mandalore the great uh they were a conquering race uh you know they would go from planet to planet to planet taking over their 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 resources and trying to expand their influence over time you know there was multiple mandalores you know, it wasn't just one person, but there are multiple Mandalores and eventually the Mandalorians were like sitting there and like, you know, our numbers are not necessarily dwindling, but we're not growing and we can't expand our influence like we used to. So what right. if we allowed all races to come in? And that's when they started allowing humans, which was the largest race group at that time start coming into the Mandalorian race that's or the Mandalorian culture. That's when they started allowing, you know, like the Twili and the fucking whatever the fuck Sebulba was and just like you name it, you can come in. <laughs> you know, it was all inclusive. Do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. So it was during that time where the Mandalorian culture had made that harsh shift where it was no longer about the race it was about you know their mindset and creed and whatever uh during that time there were a lot of skirmishes between the the jedi and the mandalorians because the jedi were keepers of the peace especially of the old republic and the mandalorians were trying to expand their influence and so they would constantly clash um they were kind of like the empire back i wouldn't go as far to say as they were the empire Um, but they were definitely just like another, they were another country to put it in layman's terms for our, you know, global understanding of things. Um, however, it should be noted that, you know, there were 
there was a Mandalorian that did become a Jedi. There, there oh, is a case of a Mandalorian really? becoming a Jedi. Now, that is technically Legends. I don't know if it's been hooked over into um, canon. I think it is, though, because it goes into the significance of the Darksaber, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Apparently, it was Terra Vizla? Yes. I think, is yeah. The name? You're, you're probably right. Terra I don't Vizla. remember the name yeah. off the top of my head, but there was a Mandalorian that was a Jedi. Um, I don't remember if he was the creator of the dark saber, but I'm almost positive. I mean, we can we can search it, but yeah, yeah, he is yeah, a force sensitive. Okay, so Tara Viz Vizla, a force sensitive human male, was the first Mandalorian to be inducted into the Jedi Order as a child. According to legend, he created the dark saber, a uni- a unique black bladed lightsaber, which could become the symbol of leadership with House Vizla and became the ruler of right. Mandalore. There you go. So there you go. Um, so, going back to the story, the Mandalorian gets dragged in. He is mortal. He's he's going to die. You know, he has been gravely wounded. Uh, and yeah. IG Eleven says, "I need to heal your wounds. You know, your body has been shaken up, but you have a you know you have an, an intrusion or whatever the fuck it is in the back of your head." And he's just like, "You're not taking off my fucking helmet." And Kara is just like, no, take your helmet off. We need to heal you. And she's like, you're not taking off my fuck. You don't understand. You're not taking my fucking helmet off. And during this time, that's when Moff Gideon sends the flame trooper to go in, burn them out. And the baby uses the force, pushes it back, burns that motherfucker alive. And Moff Gideon's just like, for fuck's sake. So, send yeah, another whatever. one. <laughs> um, at which point they find the uh, the vent that they can go in and escape through. Uh, car. Uh, the Mandalorian tells him, "Hey, just just take the baby, just take the baby and go. You know, I'll catch up." And Kara yeah. turns to IG Eleven and he's just like, "Yo, you make sure he follows through." And Kara Dune and Kara Dune, the baby and Carl uh, Weathers, which grief. Kara, thank you. I, I drew a blank. And the baby, uh, grief. Karga leave. Uh, and IG Eleven is just like, "Let me heal you." No, you're not taking off my helmet. And he goes to take his helmet off. He pulls out a fucking blaster and just like, you fucking do this. I'm going to blow your fucking brains out. I am not fucking playing around. Yeah. Per Again. my creed, <laughs> no one can fucking see my face. And IG, no and IG living 11 thing. is just like, no living thing. I do not qualify. And he's just like, fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he takes he takes and the helmet off. You Pedro. can see that, oh, lo and behold, it's, it's fucking uh, Pedro... Pascal, thank Pascal. you. Uh, if you don't know who that is, he played in Narcos. He's the co-star of Narcos. He was he's the, been in a hundred other things. Good actor. He's he's the red he's the red okay, in Game of Thrones. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I, I haven't seen all of Game of Thrones, but yes, that's like season three. But that's the one everyone remembers right him from. You're the only one that remembers him from Narcos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he's from Game of Thrones. You're like, I thought I saw him in that Netflix show about that d- the drugs. I was like, Narcos? You're like, yeah, he's in that. I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he heals him. He puts the helmet back on. And that's when you kind of see the full cutscene of when he's a child. His parents hide him away. The, the super battle droid comes in out of nowhere. Uh, he's getting ready to kill the kid, and then boom, Mandalorians everywhere. You have a fucking swarm. You're infested. Everyone, uh, all droids die, 
and then he flies up on a jetpack to uh, Mandalorian, and he's just like, bye, Mom and Dad, I know you died, but I'm on this wild ride. And then <laughs> there's the rest of his life. He goes back to... I yep. got trauma going on. He goes on. back to the planet of Mandalore, where he's raised as a, a foundling, and that's all she fucking wrote. Uh, but he, he heals uh, the Mandalorian. They leave. They go through the sewers. They meet up with Kara and... and uh, and fucking Karga. Okay. They meet up with Dune, Dune and, and Karga. Karga. That's fine. We'll go by their last names. Uh, and as they're going through the the sewers, they find a pile of helmets, of Mandalorian helmets. And you you can hear the Mandalorian's voice like he's about to lose his fucking shit. Where it's just he thinks that they all died. They killed him. And yeah. the armor comes out of nowhere, and he's just like, nah, they fucking left because of your stupid-ass shit, motherfucker. And they, <laughs> they start talking about the baby. It's like, what was so fucking important that you had to go fucking ruin this entire ruin everything. You know, gig that we had going on? Like, what what is your fucking malfunction? She's the baby. They start talking about the Force powers, and I'm like, oh, oh, that's a fucking Jedi. Oh, we don't like that. Yeah. You need to go find that where it came from and leave it there. <laughs> Don't put that thing back where you came from. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, this, this is how it's going to work. You have your own fucking guild. Now you're, you have your own tribe because I can't have you in the same tribe as me because you fuck shit up. So here's your mudhorn badge, you know, be the good little boy scout. Get the fuck, get the out, fuck out my face. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to rebuild because fuck you and everything that you fucking stand for. Get the fuck out of my face. And so they all leave. Here's the jetpack. Jet <laughs> I forget what they call it. It's just like, have you learned the, the art of the flying lotus? And he's just like, well, fuck no. And he was like, well, you're going to learn today. Here's a jetpack. Get out of my face. You go learn. <laughs> Meanwhile, internally, he's just like fucking sweet. Yes, this is what I wanted. Yeah, he's like, I got a jetpack. So he, I am now complete. Uh, but they leave and they cut right back to the armorer where she's just like kneeling and she's got her hammer and her little like metal holding tong thing. It's like a giant set of tongs. Yeah. And like four or five stormtroopers come in. He's like, yo, where'd the Mandalorian go? She don't answer. She don't, she don't give a shit who you are. And they like point the blaster in her face. And she's like, yo, I asked you a fucking question. She gets up like, no, I don't think you understand. Whack. Whack! Whack! <laughs> no, excuse me, sir. <laughs> she starts going ham on all these motherfuckers. I was just like, <laughs> "Let me speak to your manager." Ah, <laughs> oh, that shit was. Yeah, the armor is great. I don't ever want to see the armorer's face. I just I want it to always be. The I armorer. unfortunately looked up who the armorer was, and I am slightly disappointed. But it's fine. Like, oh, no, don't do it. Do don't it. do it to yourself. You're going to be disappointed. Too late. I'm doing it. Well, I'm doing it. Emily Swallow? She was... Who is that? Oh, I forget what she was in. She's in the 11th season of Supernatural. I didn't watch that season. It's a very specific okay. season. She sure. was actually in something like really big, and I forget what it was. But, yeah. Anyway, so the armor kicks some ass. She looks like a fucking badass. And that's the last time we see her, unfortunately. And then... Well, she doesn't do this. Emily Swallow doesn't do well, this. Well, probably stunts. not, but 
Somebody else does, or somebody else is credited Whatever. for the stunts. Same shit. Uh, they go. They find this like giant lava lake, and they find like the little Italian boat. Like I, I don't know what you call it, but it's like this the gondola. The gondola. So they find this gondola, and there's this fucked up R two unit inside of it, and, <laughs> with well, legs and I, arms. I was <laughs> getting to that, but I'm just like, there's this like little fucked up R two unit. And they're just like, this shit ain't going to fucking work. And they're like cutting away and trying to like separate the gondola from like the landing pad. And they're trying to go down the fucking lava river. They finally managed to do it. And everyone gets in. And then they're just like, how do we make this thing go faster? And then like they tried knocking on the R2 unit and it's like, yo, yo, fucking move. And they're just, he turns on and it's like, what'd you say, bitch? And then it just gets taller and taller. It grows arms. <laughs> it like T-poses for a minute to show its dominance and then it grabs the fucking oar. starts pushing it away and everyone's just like, oh, oh shit. I didn't know they make them like that. So that was a surprise. <laughs> I thought that shit was pretty cool. I didn't know they made them like that. Um, and they go down the river. And the Mandalorian uses his special, super special uh, thermals, thermal goggles in his in his visor. And he sees like, oh, shit, we're about to run into a fucking ambush. And they're just like, well, what do we do? We could blast out. I'm like, no, we are completely outnumbered. We're all going to die. And IG-11 is just like, yo, I can handle this shit. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to walk in the lava. You're going to fucking die. And it's just like. What about shooting them? It's just like, oh, no, I'll die if I shoot. And I've calculated the situation like 100 times over or 100,000 million times over. And in every scenario, which I don't blow myself up, you die. So I have to blow myself up. Like he's pulling a uh, he's the fucking a, a Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange. In, in fucking, what is it, Endgame or Infinity War? Yeah, in, whatever. In both of them, Infinity War and So Endgame, he's just like, yeah. no, this is the only way you survive. And everyone has like that really touching moment because – we all learn, we already knew that IG-11 was a motherfucking badass. Then you saw him be like the good yeah. guy badass. And we're like, no, don't leave. We need you on our team. But that didn't happen because, you know, he walks out. They play the Titanic move, m- music. Uh, the Celine Dion. And no, they don't. <laughs> they, they start playing My Heart Will Go On. He opens up and is like, my manufacturer says I can't be captured. Thus, I have to blow myself up. And all the stormtroopers are like, wait, fucking what? Boom. What? <laughs> they all fucking die. What'd it say? <laughs> and everyone has that like that heartfelt uh, moment. It's like at the end of the first Transformers movie where Optimus Tr- Prime is just like, we lost some allies. But we gained new ones and immediately just like disregard his existence. Like not. Yeah, the only that. one they lost was Jax. Yeah. Jack Jax was the one that was ripped in half yeah. by Megatron. They're just like, oh, we lost some allies. That's sad. But we gain new ones and just yeah. completely disregard his existence. And that's how I feel. What's funny uh, what's funny is with that Jax, the only reason I remember Jax is because of the fucking uh I think it was Jax. But the voice actor in the cartoon for that Transformer passed away very early in the mm-hmm. cartoon. So he never talked again after a certain episode. Wow. They never revoiced him. He just never talked again. Wow. I didn't know that. That's yeah. crazy. But anyway, it's crazy. Uh, everyone is happy. They're just like, okay, yeah, we finally escaped. Now let's get back to the Razor Crest and get the fuck out of here. Oh, sorry. Jazz. Jazz. Uh, 
Moff Gideon's like, nope, I'm going to kill you with this with this TIE fighter. Never have I ever felt that a TIE fighter was threatening until I saw this scene. Because he just comes in and starts doing, like, these these uh, bombing runs with his fucking, like, main guns. Just like, poop, 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 poop. And they're just like, oh, yeah. shit, we're all going to die. And then Mandalorian's just like, nah, bitch, jetpack time. And I was like, you don't even know how to use this thing. I was like, I'm going to learn today. And he's like... We'll learn today. I think he like fucks up the first few times and he finally like actually lands on the TIE fighter. Moff Gideon's like moving the TIE fighter around, like trying to swing his ass off. And he's just like, nah, bitch, I'm staying on this motherfucker. Takes out a thermal detonator, (laughs) misses, and it blows up in the back. And Moff Gideon is just like, this motherfucker's trying to blow my ass up. But then he's just like, nah, bitch, I got a second one. Boom. Let's go and just like. Let the Lord take me to wherever I fucking go as the Mandalorian falls to his fucking death. <laughs> Which he doesn't die. I'm just paraphrasing. But Moff Gideon sees that there's a there's a little thermal detonator, freaks the fuck out, tries to shake it off, can't. It blows up. He loses a wing and it falls right down to the ground. And you think he's dead. And they don't say anything. Because after Yeah. After, you know, he dies, the fucking Mandalorian, you know, touches down. And this is one of the only issues that I have with the series because that last scene where everyone like regroups and kind of like gets ready to say what they're going to do next, how uh, Kara Dune and Grief Kiga Karga are going to fucking rebuild the order back on Navarro and, you know, the Mandalorian and the child are going to go their own separate ways. That entire scene, that background looks ugly as shit. It looks like (laughs) they were standing in front of a green screen. They didn't try. It was just like, oh, let's have this dirt ground and this blue screen in the back. And there was no textures in the background. It was it was the ugliest shit I have ever seen. I'm just like, come on, dude. Like all the budget. Yeah, like they ran out of money. He was just like, yo, you stand in front of this wall. Like, it was like the room level of fucking not giving a fuck. It looks like when I tried to do a green screen in OBS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the Mandalorian. Well, last scene, because of course he didn't fucking die. Moff Gideon cuts out of the fucking TIE fighter with, with the, the dark, dark saber. saber. Which, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, 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 it's like that. Oh, shit. Yeah, because it doesn't look just look like a lightsaber. It looks like a lightsaber sword. Like it looks, it's in the shape of like a. Well, sword. Well, I mean, it's a like, lightsaber is a lightsaber. This one had a little bit more of like a curvature and a, like a sharpness to it yeah. a little bit. It looked like an actual like sword yeah. or something like that. Um, the reason why the dark saber is so important is you know we've touched on it before. It was created and owned by the only Mandalorian Jedi, and down through the ages, it's been passed down to all the main leaders of the Mandalorian tribe to show them being the de facto leader of the Mandalorians. Um, And the reason why it's important is because if you watch, I don't remember if it is Star Wars Rebels or the Clone Wars or if it's both. Um, When Darth Maul shows up to the Mandalorian enclave and takes them over, uh, he takes the Darksaber. He becomes the owner of the Darksaber until he's overthrown by Emperor Palpatine and the sword is lost. It's eventually recovered by the main characters, I believe, in Star Wars Rebels who return it to the rightful heir to the Mandalorian Enclave at that time, which 
I think her name is Boko Katan or some shit like that. I don't remember her name. Um, from that point, Sabine huh? Wren, oh, who? Whatever. Looks like a character named Sabine. Maybe Ren. it's it's a female type. I don't I don't remember what her name was. Um, yeah, her name's cool. Sabine. Well, he, there's a gap between when the dark saber is returned to the new leader of the Mandalorian and then somehow Moff Gideon get getting it, which means that the yeah. great purge have had to taken place sometime around episode four starting or sometime around star Wars rebels and then episode four starting, which is not a whole lot of time. Now is star Wars rebels canonical Rebels is canonical. That is a Disney, uh, production okay 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 <laughs> I, I i'm agreeing with you i'm not okay. i'm not disagreeing with that's you. it so i'm i'm really curious on where they take season two um there's a lot of motherfuckers that are hoping that jedi get thrown in there i hope not i hope that luke don't show up we saw what happened in the last star wars movie like I think that a lot of it was that they had multiple directors with no real plans on writing a script, writing a story. Um, it was all a nostalgia blast for episode seven and then episodes eight and nine are what they are. You know, I think that Rian Johnson is a good director or writer or producer, whatever role that he had in episode eight. Uh, Knives Out is a good movie, but Episode Eight is fucking trash, and Episode Nine is no fucking better. Um, but as far as I'm not trying to again. go down that hole, uh, <laughs> we've gone through it down season it so many two. Times. I'm hoping for the best. I hope that you know John Favreau has really good ideas. I know that they're in production right now. Um, there's supposed to be 12 episodes with the next season. I. I just want more. I want more interaction between the Mandalorians. I want to see more Mandalorians and I want to see more of Moff Gideon doing Moff Moff things because well they've they've yeah, said it all. Any Moff is a fucking asshole. If you've ever read the comics, Moffs are fucking dicks. Like they don't give a shit. Everyone is expendable and they'll do whatever they have to in order to achieve their goals. And that's what I'm hoping to see a very vulnerable Moff Gideon because he doesn't have the backing of the Empire anymore. So, you know, what he had is what he had. Yeah. He was in some crazy armor that looked sort of like Darth Vader armor. A little I was, bit. I would say it's more like um, Dark Trooper armor. Also, Moff Gideon is just a good name. It's pretty badass. <laughs> I like it. I think that... Um, it's a really good what's name. What's his name? Giancarlo Espo uh, Esposito. Or Espo... Uh, Gus. Gus? I just... I think his name was Gus from uh, when he was okay. in Breaking Bad. Uh, he's a really good actor. I, I enjoy watching oh, yeah. him. Oh, in Breaking Bad, there were parts where I was legitimately scared because of the way he portrayed his character. Of how mm -hmm. evil his character was. He plays a good villain. So he I was like a, it. He plays a very. He's in uh, Better Call Saul as well. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's his name. Giancarlo Esposito. It's, yes. Yeah. It's a hell of that's a, a hell of a name. <laughs> but that's that's the Mandalorian. That's I the Mando. enjoyed it very very much. Um, 
It's good. I like it. I can't wait for more. Took us an hour and a half to Surprisingly, get <laughs> we still thought that this was going to be a short podcast, and I am almost two hours in. So we can never have a short podcast. I am afraid of tackling no. The Witcher now. The Witcher's going to be rough. The Witcher's going to be a three-hour yeah, podcast. It's... Well, let's run down these questions real quick because I got my okay. to play. So, <laughs> uh, Question one. This is coming from Wax. Is is Marvel changing Peter's sexuality instead of creating an original character going against the late Stan Lee's wishes? I have no idea. Like, I guess they're making him gay um, in the new comics. Let's actually look that up because I am not. I'm not big. Did Stan Lee have a problem on, with this? I'm not big on Marvel. Peter Parker sexual orientation. Sure. Uh, oh, Tom Holland open to gay Spider-Man agrees. MCU needs more than straight white guys. This was this was last year. Uh, I don't think that that was the article oh. rumor. This was as of oh, this was as of five days ago. Um, Sony and Marvel to introduce bisexual Spider-Man. New rumor. Uh, details Marvel and Sony wants to introduce a bisexual Spider-Man in the upcoming Spider-Man live action. Rumor comes from We Got This Covered, who detailed that the bisexual Spider-Man will be introduced to a possible Spider-Verse live action film. Not only do they want a bisexual Spider-Man, but according to the rumor, they want a bisexual Peter Parker to be Andrew Garfield's character from the Amazing Spider-Man films. What? Uh, Garfield expressed his interest in seeing a gay Spider-Man back in 2013 when he was promoting The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, in an interview, Garfield detailed the conversation which he had with producer Matt Tolmack. I was kind of joking, but kind of not joking about MJ. And I was like, what if MJ is a dude? Why can't we discover that Peter is exploring his sexuality? Uh, it's hardly even groundbreaking, so why can't he be gay? Why can't he be into boys? Uh, I'm going to stop there because the it, it goes more into it. I don't give a shit. Uh, Stanley's dead. I don't really care too much of what dead people think. I know that may sound like fucked up, <laughs> but I don't I don't give a shit. One, I don't care about Marvel. Two, I don't think that uh individual sexual orientation is a catalyst of making a good character. I don't think that a person being no. gay is important. However, to other people it could be. And I have a lot of conversations. Oh, this will be a huge oh, controversy yeah, 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 for yeah, families. Uh the movie will still sell. But the the issue is is that um, as my friends put it, inclusivity matters because, like for example, when Black Panther came out, uh, Black Panther was a huge deal because now finally, you know, black children saw a hero on the TV. Yeah. There, there was, was a voice, voice for, them, for them. There was representation for them, uh, and this could be the same thing. If there's a gay hero, and it yeah, was really good. So <laughs> I don't care. I don't give a shit at all. So, I Peter Parker could be blowing eight guys and getting rammed in the ass by six other guys. As long as you make a really good storyline and a really good like movie, I don't care. It's literally the last thing on my mind. So whatever. Do I think they're going against Stan Lee's wishes? I don't think intentionally. Like I don't think they're and like he's on, dead on, now. Now on, we can make on, the gay Spider Man. Uh, Stan Lee of all people. I mean, considering that he was very, very vocal about the civil rights movement in the sixties, and I don't remember the characters that he made, but he had his characters openly 
like support the the civil rights movement especially in x-men like x the x-men is an allegory to the civil rights movement so do i think it's going against his yeah. wishes no but i don't think I he don't would care. have a problem Plus, with it <laughs> spider-man a bunch of people could be spider-man enter the spider-verse had like six spider-men so whatever into the spider-verse had spider pig that, i didn't like that <laughs> no it's spider that was How played by john mulaney was played by he's funny like, as fuck and they, I love Sp- I think it was actually what is it? I don't think it's Spider Pig. I think it's called Spider Whatever. Hand. Regardless of what it is, all I can think of is the Simpsons movie where Homer Simpson has the pig. Well, that's and your he's fault. Just like Spider Pig, Spider Pig. Can he climb? Yeah, no, we, we can't. We've been on the internet. Yeah, the last whatever. Years, I I hate so. that. <laughs> so that's that's my feelings on that. Uh, question two: Why are comics constantly rebranding characters instead of creating uh, an original? Okay, so. Why are movies getting remakes because it of doesn't new sell. movies? Because people because it's easier to yeah. sell a Creativity brand it. that is tried and true, uh, recapture or reformat the same formula and sell it off as a new product. That's why there's no there's not a lot of originality coming out of movies anymore, uh, coming out of comic book characters um, that died in like the 70s and 80s. Um, go ahead, well, go ahead. I'm gonna I'm sure. gonna correct you on that. I think there is tons of uh, creativity still, but the people that give the money to get them created don't want creativity. They want the same shits that they know is gonna make money. They don't want someone to okay. try something different. Here, here is my question to you: Show me a superhero, Marvel or DC superhero, that doesn't even need a TV show, doesn't need a movie, just popular comic what new superhero has come out in the last 10 years that stands on its own uh is not a legacy character name one name one i mean i can't tell you because i don't know enough about the i'm gonna leave it as an open-ended question to all my to all our listeners just put it out there Show me because I honestly don't know because when i see anything coming out of marvel and dc it is your tried and true characters you have your justice league characters you have the x-men you have the fucking uh captain america and fucking i mean i remember when spider gwen came out like spider gwen was a cool still attached to spider-man that's still a spider-man thing so i i honestly want to know if you can if you can show that to me i'd be interested because i honestly don't think that there's any originality coming out of uh that department so that's my thoughts on it. Uh, this is coming from H2O Happy Dude. Um, he just asked thoughts and he is referencing Ninja's tweet from a couple days ago. The phrase, it's just a game, is just a weak mindset. You are okay with what happened, uh, losing imperfection of a craft. When you stop getting angry after losing, you've lost twice. There's always room for improvement, something to learn, never settle. Um, he also came out with a video not long after that where he was saying like, you know, picture LeBron James, picture Tom Brady, and you tell them after losing, you know, a football game or a basketball game that it's just a game and they don't lose their shit on you. It's, it's different when you're getting paid large sums of money like that for you and me. Yeah, it's just a game. 
for I not but okay before people think that like oh he's siding with ninja I think ninja is garbage like this tweet is stupid at the end of the day it is just a game you don't need to lose your shit over it and all that stuff he's trying to justify the dumbass thing he said by saying like taking LeBron James and other stuff like that here's my thing I don't disagree with you that ninja's kind of a toxic piece of shit uh, if you've ever watched his streams he's kind of a He's kind of a garbage human being. Uh, he throws tantrums. Yeah, he's very garbage. Um, like, if he thinks that you're fucking too good at the game, he'll, like, email Twitch and ask you to get banned. Well, he won't or even not Twitch, Twitch but um, <laughs> Mixer or... Mixer. You know, the, he'll he'll report you to Epic and try to have your account banned for, like, screen sniping or some shit like that. It's like, oh, there's no way he would have caught me on that. He's, he's, he's a garbage, he's garbage. I, don't, I don't like him however and in the beginning i had tweeted uh a, i had retweeted something that uh pat stares at mentioned it was like imagine getting so upset over a fucking video game or being a man child or blah 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 but then i really thought about it because it's easy for me to make fun of motherfuckers like ninja and it's easy for me to make fun of people who play overwatch or play league and watch them rage and then I was just like, what about the FGC? So here's another thing what I'm going to say is, too, because I've tried, I've tried my hand at learning fighting mm-hmm. games and all that stuff. That's fine. You, you should learn. You should learn from, like, what you did wrong. Uh, I got read by the opponent very easily, so maybe I need to change up my game and all that stuff. But thinking – but at the end of the day, it's still a game. It's still a fucking – video game you should be playing video games to have fun that's what you should be doing you're right um however i under like i i want to say that i understand what ninja is saying a little bit the fgc and everything else are completely different beasts because the fgc is a social game it's a social event you know you have your people that play online like almost exclusively now you look at low tier god i don't know if he ever goes to tournaments anymore but i mean (laughs) when when you have people like showing up at locals or showing up just on a regular basis to all these different tournaments in person you know and you rage you know yeah you're upset you lost you know You've been practicing at, at, you know, Street Fighter for years. This is your first time possibly getting into top eight and you get you get bested by somebody. It happens. It's okay. It's okay to rage. However, I think that within the FGC it's a little bit different because there's always a little bit of like that gentleman's respect between people. So like they'll rage, but good game. You know, it's never it's never outright yeah. talking shit saying somebody cheated or, you know, getting upset that someone's better than you it's always saying like yeah i got outplayed the only one that can be upset at is myself unless Unless you're stanford kelly Kelly. (laughs) um it's the same thing in the magic community and card games from what i've seen too there has been i've been in matches where either i or the opponent just got terrible fucking draws and you just lose and you're like hey man that's that sucks but you know good game like you just you got to do it it's respect but I guess maybe if someone besides Ninja had said it, I would have like interpreted if that it a little came bit better, out, but it's Ninja. If that came out like of it. Justin Wong's mouth, I would have a completely different opinion of it. 
but because it's ninja. I think higher of Justin Wong yeah, than I do of but ninja. But because it's so that's it's it's the person. It shouldn't it shouldn't be like that shouldn't play a factor in, but it really does for me. I just think ninja's a tool. Yeah. And he chases the money. Rightfully so. If someone were if someone were to like, hey, Corey, you're doing amazing on that podcast. And I want you to leave that motherfucker named Chris for $20 million. I'd be like, hey, Chris, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to give you half. Yeah, sure, whatever. How's that? And then we're going to make Scrubverse 2.0. Fine, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. But, no, if I think that if that came out of anyone else's mouth, I wouldn't give a shit. If it came out of Wooly's mouth or something like that, I'd have been like, all right. Kinda yeah. I don't understand it. But Ninja... Plays a is a garbage person that plays a garbage game. So <laughs> I said it. I don't care. Okay, boomer. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, next question, Mister Haru, coming in with two. What is the best game of your favorite franchise you love the most in your eyes? That's a tough uh, so question because there's a lot of franchises I love. Got to pick a franchise we love. I, I guess multiple. I, could pick, I don't care. I mean, if I were to pick Mega Man. I like the Mega Man X. Mega Man X is one of my favorite. X Four is okay. really good too. X Four is a really good one. If you want, if you want the sprites, sprite games on any on Super Nintendo, I would go with X. If you want the next gen X Four, uh, Star Fox really like Star Fox sixty four is the winner. Obviously, uh, Assault's really high up there too. Mm-hmm. I really like Assault. F Zero GX. That's like the best F Zero game. Let's all be honest. Even though it's fucking hard as balls, I, I would honestly think that F Zero X is better than GX. Mm, as someone that's gone back recently and played both of them, GX just holds I up better. I should probably go back and check it. But right now, in the top of my yeah. head, I like X better. I mean, I've got certain. There's a certain Harvest Moon game that I personally like. It's probably not the best. Uh, what else do we have? I'm just trying to think of other franchises that I really like. Uh, shit, I don't know, man. Pokemon? Pokemon? Soul Silver's my shit. That's the best game. The new Pokemon? I was watching Caleb Hart stream. Uh, he was doing a speed run of Soul Silver or Heart Gold. I can't remember which one it was last night. He made up a really good point, though. Gen 8 is garbage. Like, I finally agreed that Gen 8, like, the way they handled that game and then they're making us pay $30 more for a, a little bit of content is garbage. Going back and watching these old Pokemon games, I'm like, this the pinnacle. Like, I want to I Go just back play and watch again. the video that Jim Sterling did. I'm not saying that he's right. I'm just saying that he makes a very good point of what he says. You talking about his episode where he, Ekans isn't in the game? Uh, so it's I don't shit think that's <laughs> it. There's one where it's. I think that the title of the video is something along the lines of uh, Pokemon's um, Pokemon's pricing plan or Pokemon's uh, output has always been shit. And he goes into yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I did watch that. I did. And he watch goes it. into yeah. like why are you coming out with uh, Gen One Red Blue Green and then come out with yellow and that being the definitive version and you do that for every single series that you've come out with mm-hmm. where some people yeah. wait for the third one but yeah street fighter i think third strikes the best for me uh i'm gonna start with sonic because i'm a huge sonic fan sonic 3 and knuckles sonic 3 and knuckles and sonic mania yeah, fight really over good. the top spot a lot um i'm not saying that yeah. the modern games or the 3d games are bad 
um, they have not aged well. Um, I think that Colors is a good game. I think that Colors is a great game. I still need to play it. I, I love have it. Sonic I just haven't Colors. played it. Um, it's, it's got its issues, but it's, it's still a great fucking game. Uh, Mario, I like Mario 3. Uh, Guilty yeah, Mario Gear? 3. I go back and forth on this, but I honestly think that Guilty Gear X2 was like the best in the series. Which version of I X2? mean, you have to go with <laughs> Accent Core R+. Because it, it has everything, everything, but my favorite was Slash. Um, just because Soul and Kai were fucking dumb. Um, I fucking forgot that I found my four albums, Guilty yeah, Gear I saw. CDs this week. I forgot great. that I bought those. I used to go to the anime mm-hmm. store and buy those. That's because my Max Anarchy or my Max Anarchy uh, yeah, soundtrack came in. That's fucking great. Uh, Third Strike. What other series? The Final Fantasy series. I'm more partial to nine. Ooh. Mm, I was about to say, I saw this tweet. I am. I, am <laughs> I saw this tweet. Nine, so. I'm uh, I'm with you on that one. I like that. Well, I really liked Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. I can give you that one. But if we're talking main story, if we're talking main core games, I would go with I nine. would go with nine. I actually think that War of the Lions is a better tactics game than Tactics Advance. But Tactics Advance. That's the first one, right? Yeah, it's the remake of the first one. It has Garbrandt in it. Okay. Instead of Cloud. Seven's good, but I like nine a little bit more than seven. Yeah. Uh I mean, fuck. There's there's a lot. I gave you some of my favorites. Uh as far as the reasoning, I mean Sonic Three and Knuckles is the complete package. Like anything that it I could ever want. Yeah, it has everything. And it has some of the best gameplay. So there's that Sonic, uh, Super Mario Brothers three. That's just nostalgia for me. There's better Mario games out there. I just think the three is my favorite. Oh, I feel three is like the most solidly built. Like I would, I would put sixty four up there pretty high too, because mm-hmm. sixty four did a lot of cool shit. Uh, Odyssey two, but I think three, three is my jam. Yeah. Uh, question two: What are your thoughts on games such as Grand Blue Fantasy Versus and Street Fighter Five having awful netcode for online versus? How many more L's must Japanese companies take over the years for them to stop half-assing the TLC for their fighting games? Oh my god! Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is on you. There is so here's here's the thing: we talked about it on the uh, fr- set, uh, Thursday Night Throwdown. Like the differences oh, yeah, between uh, delay based netcode and rollback netcode. Delay based netcode is what is the most common. Uh, it's not just Japanese developers, American developers do it too. Um, it's the way that they save money. Uh, delay based netcode is like this uh, we play in an online match. If I put in an input and you put in an input, the, the match slows down to figure out what input would come out first. And it creates a very, very slow game uh, to the point where sometimes it could be unplayable, especially in very fast-paced games. So Guilty Gear XR is notorious for having shitty netcode. It is terrible. And the games would slow down to a fucking crawl. Um, you know, like that's a, when we played, that's one thing because we're all on the same region. We're all 
pretty much on the same server. But if we were playing, playing against people in like Japan yeah. or something. But if you're playing like not even just Japan, if you're playing across the country, if I'm playing somebody in California, yo, I would be having like five, six, seven frame delays. It'd be terrible. That's really it bad. is really bad. And it I want it like me personally, I think it hampers the scene because you compare that to, you know, the modern games, you know, what's popular, the first person shooters. And you compare it to those games, they don't have those fucking issues. Like everything is smooth and shit like that. Yeah, there's a little bit of lag here and there, but it's it's not the same factor. Fighting games in general, they're online, gets a bad rap for having shit online. That's why... And there, well, the problem is, dude, there's some games that have incredible online. Yeah, Mark of the Wolves, great fucking uh, netcode. Uh, Killer Instinct, great netcode. Now Street Fighter V, after that motherfucker came out with a patch, great fucking netcode. Uh, mm, the mm. new one? Mm. It's it's great for some, still garbage for others. Okay, I think that's that, I think that the seeing. reason There's why there's some is, controversy well, around it. It's because they're allowing crossplay between PC and PS4, and if I'm on my PS4, I'm stuck with delay based. Meanwhile, my my rollback motherfucker or whoever fixed the netcode on PC is able to just wreck you. You can't do anything. Well, I think uh, I looked at some stuff that Max and Wooly had talked about over the week, mm-hmm. and they said there there's some glaring issues still. And the, the patch came out because there was apparently a mod that fixed it. That okay, that made it better before this patch came out. And when the patch came out, it broke that mod so that people can't use it. And then the patch is still garbage. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's unfortunate. Yeah, there's some real. If we were going to do news, that was going to be one of our news articles, yeah. and that was. It's been a fucking tough week for that that netcode. Okay, but yeah, no, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is really tough to play people online. It's it's hard, and it's only going to get harder because in in a week or two, the Americans are going to be jumping online, and it's yep. going to be even worse. Uh, rollback netcode works like this. Um, the game still stays constant. I put in my inputs and the opponent puts in the inputs and rather than slowing down the game to a crawl, it'll reset player positions. So it's kind of like judging where they think the, the opponent will go. And then sometimes it's like, oh, well, it turns out this motherfucker jumped. So we're going to jump. So they pull, they roll back the game and certain hits that would have hit don't and they kind of like a reset and it was like no no no, run this back but the game is still active so it promotes faster gameplay it's still not perfect but it's better than fucking delay because at least you could fucking play the game yeah you know nothing is going to replicate what we see in uh locals or what we see in like you know real one-on-one but rollback is the best replacement that we have at the moment. I think what anyone that wants to make a fighting game should focus on is focus on cool mechanics. Uh, di- well, not cool mechanics, but mechanics that make sense and some diversity. You don't want five characters that are just the same fucking five characters. Right. You want like different move sets and some different stuff. And make sure your netcode's good. Yeah. Which is because more people are going to play online than they are in locals. Which brings me to like, you know, why is the netcode like this? Because it's fucking expensive. Um, yeah, 
It's very expensive. Japanese developers who make these fucking uh, fighting games, they're not huge companies. Like, you could argue, yeah, Capcom's huge. They can fucking mm-hmm. afford rollback netcode. But Arc System Works, they're still not as big as people think. They, they're they the standard as far as fighting games are concerned, but they're not huge. They still rely on Sega for publishing rights. They still rely on other companies to help publish their games. So it's not, it's not, they're not on the same level. Uh, Killer Instinct has the support of Microsoft. That's why they have rollback netcode. You know what they should do? They need to kickstart netcodes. <laughs> kickstart netcode support. You know, if you can't tell me you wouldn't put some fucking money I, in for a good netcode on I, Grand I'm not Blue. Lie to you. I would. Um, but <laughs> if having good netcode meant I had to pay more for my subscription service, I'd do it. But it's not going to happen because the United States has some of the shittiest fucking internet when compared to our Asian partners. Yeah, you know? if you don't live on the West Coast, you got some of the shittier internet. Yeah, like I'm supposed to have a gigabit connection, you know? Yeah, me too. Uh, on a good day, I have 600. On a shitty day, I have 300. Now, you know, people will look at that and be like, well, fuck you. I'm still sitting here on 60 megabits per second. And that's part of... Well, I pay for it. That, that's part of the fucking problem. Because if I'm trying to connect to somebody, I have 300, you have 60. Guess what I have? I have 60. 60. Yeah. They don't get to upscale to yeah, you. Yeah, no. It's, it's... So basically what you're saying is stop being shitty people and get better internet. That's not what I'm saying. Like, there is, <laughs> like, political issues going into that. Like, if, if you live in the middle of fucking nowhere, there's no incentive for, you know, the companies to come out and upgrade your fucking internet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point. Uh, but going back, there's been some days I haven't been able to fucking stream. Yeah. So, but going back to the netcode issue, um, you know, it's a lot of it comes down to money. Uh, Guilty Gear has been in the hot seat since its announcement, and everyone's just like, "Yo, roll back netcode, right?" And Daisuke is like, "Uh, maybe we're looking into it," and they were just like, "No, I don't give a shit about a new game." You can reprint XR and give me rollback netcode, and we'll fucking <laughs> I'll we'll buy, buy it. it. We don't care. Just rollback, goddamn it. The the issue is is that they just, just they're not going to do it. There's there was a gif or a uh, a fucking meme that was on Reddit. I want to say it was on the Super Best Friends subreddit where there's just like the kings of uh, delay based netcode. Daisuke's motherfucking face right on there. Creator of Blaze Blue, uh, creator of Grand Blue, and then like one other, and I'm just like, God, God damn it! It's all the games I play. <laughs> all my weeb fighters. All, all my weeb fighters. It's it's. Uh, you know what has rollback netcode? Melty Blood. The, I thought you were gonna say them fighting hurts. <laughs> they do too. Yeah, I they I do. think they do. Yeah. So that's my spiel on it. I think it's shit. But Japan's not going to change. They're not. So they're stubborn. If we know anything, yep. that's the podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our rambling about a sh- show that came out two, three months ago. Uh, ended three months. We'll ago. We'll try to keep them more up to date from uh, now on. <laughs> yeah, sure. That that'll happen. Um, I hope you have a good week.